Hi, Robert. How are you doing? I am good. I'm sitting here trying to buy NFTs and every the universe is out the flipping get me. Oh, yeah. Right now, the, the, the GUI is just unpredictable. Are you messing with your advanced settings for the gas? No, I'm not. I'm just doing the basic shit. So what's happening is my bank denied my credit card, which I'm like, okay. Um, but you did it earlier today, and that's okay. But then my FTX said no, and I'm like, that's an ACH account. And so it's directly tied to my, my bank. So, Okay, I'm guessing you have either Chase, JP Morgan, with the card that you're using for the ACH attached to it, or you have Capital One, because... Um, if you're using FTX as well or Coinbase, they are a licensed brokerage. I forgot there's different types of licenses, but they are not uh, a broke an actual brokerage account. So they their transactions are through a 3DS system, and 3DS is a security issue with um, th it's a bank issue. Yeah, I know. So I'm on USAA and Bank of America, and my Bank of America account is actually my. Um, my brokerage account. So it's just like, shit. So I was trying to move 20K from fiat into different crypto. And so at every turn, something is going on. And because it's after hours, I have to call my broker tomorrow and go, what the fuck, G? So I'm just going to keep drinking scotch and look at the things that I was trying to get and say, damn. I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> Great. Yeah, <laughs> I am running a non-recorded space. I had to double check and make sure because we're just shooting off the hip. And I, I'm glad you came in here because I'm not running a formal space. I'm not going to okay. save as a podcast. I'm just. Well, I went like to said, chat was... with you anyway because. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm looking at your your thoughts on the on the you know the meta and what this actually could be and. Your math intrigued me to the point. Could, have you seen my, um, looked at my PhD research? No, okay. I, I took okay. you at face value. I didn't do any hard digging on you because, you know, it's not fun if someone's already candid. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, so, so the thing is, my PhD is in computer science and big data analytics. But what I did was look at Kolmogorov's complexity theory and and determined that complexity has a relationship to a data set. So we, we understand that a system has physical limitations, right? Silicon can do only so much. Memory can only do so much. The speed and heat and, you know, everything that deals with the universal uh, construct of, of a compute system has physical limitations and it actually follows this thing called physics in spite of what most of the, the folks out there believe how computers work and, and i'm just you know being generalized and talking about the average uh web3 crypto person who has no idea what the, i just said um and, and so we know that that we have asymptotic complexity of algorithms we understand what mp hard is we understand what mp complete but we're only looking at that part of the problem from one side of it because you have data and data has its own complexities. 
So what I did was look at Kolmogorov's complexity, Shannon's entropy, and I came up with a, a an equation that actually gives a, a quantifiable measurement to the complexity of a data set. What that means... I, okay, go ahead. Maybe you well, already know what I, that I, means. Well, I, I'm going to let you continue, but I, I was just going to, after... After you, I will continue on, but I had a conversation earlier with um, some individuals to keep them up to date on uh, some metaphors on the idea of like a dark matter. Like we talk about like the dark web or deep web and dark matter in general can be applied to this theory. So go ahead, uh, doctor. <laughs> no, it's Robert. It's just Robert, please. Okay, so I'm putting in here. You wait, make sure that's you. Yep, that's you. Because if I randomly send people stuff, they're like, What the is that? So, <laughs> <laughs> and I, so I'm not, a, as you, you know, I'm not a system user, I'm not a computer user, I'm not a phone user, I'm not, I'm terrible at this stuff. Uh, I sent a message to somebody earlier today, but I meant to send it to somebody else. And I, I, anyway, that's how I roll. So, I have other, other skills. So, Looking at this algorithm I just put on the screen, I took Kolmogorov's complexity theory, and basically what Kolmogorov's complexity theory is, is K is equal to the absolute value of M of Y to the smallest K within the, the, the algorithm. So basically, if you take to the smallest bit that's available through that algorithm, and you have a M, which is the the machine capabilities, right? All the physical capabilities of your silicon, and the Y is is the uh, the actual algorithm that goes through it. So it uses Turing, Turing's you know thoughts on you you have a bit bit that goes through and then halts. So if it doesn't go through and halt it creates a run situation and then the algorithm continues to run and it actually never finishes. That so it's, it a, it's a hunting sequence that's stuck in it's uh, um, the P space. Right. It's racing, you know, it's racing and it just continues. And that's, you know, so the, 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 the um, current halting problem is actually, you know, it runs the algorithm and then halts and then you have your answer. Um, so part of that is the silicon capability, what's its limitations, what it's uh, you know able to do, the algorithms, asymptotic complexity, which could be from you know just yeah it works you know x is equal to one, y is equal to two, um, z is equal to uh, x plus y, right? So that's that's a halting boom, it's done. It's a very simple algorithm. It's very linear, uh, transitive. I also, uh, Robert, I just want to take a moment and just say hello to NFL champions and Tim Brown in here. And please continue. Uh, they'll they'll be raising their hand here and there because NFL had some questions as well. Okay. Well, you know, you can, you. I'm not even looking at the screen, um, so I'm just like, honestly, I'm drinking scotch and and just um, in in a uh, what do you call it? In a full blown. Euphoric moment. <laughs> my mindset of just regurgitating my, my previous research. 
and it, <laughs> I, I tend to blather on when I get on my uh, technological soapbox, and it, it it kind of bores most people. But every now and then, I get an audience or a group of people who are like that is amazing. Let's dig in. And, and I that, <laughs> I think it's amazing. But NFL or Tim, like if you need him to like reiterate and like backtrack a little bit please interrupt but i just love oh, yeah. hearing this because uh you know we're talking i never so complexity algorithm um what what's this uh complexity theory you're applying it into science of the quantum well it can be theory. applied to it, it can be applied to it. In anything, anything it, yeah. with information. So let's, yeah. let's drop, drop back to Shannon's information theory, right? So in Shannon's information theory, you have this thing called entropy. So you and I are talking, the other folks are in here listening. And at some point, I'm going to say something that somebody's going to let go, uh, you know, mind, mind reset. We got we got a reboot. I don't understand what just happened. I got a blue screen here, right? So the bits that are coming out of my mouth, the information's coming out of my mouth, falls to the floor that's called entropy and these are uh you know as part of shannon's entropy and shannon's information theory shannon was um you know back in the day um i forgot who he worked for i should know this oh my gosh scott you know when you have 45 year old single mott you kind of forget some of the details so i apologize for that <laughs> it's okay <laughs> um but shannon was one of the original um, individuals to come up with what information theory is. And, and all of our technology, this internet, is all based on this. This is back in a day, oh, AT&T, oh my gosh. AT&T Laboratories, you know, back in the day. So Commodore's complexity. Is yeah, the AT&T with their bowling, bowling theories, and the, which was a problem. Yeah, it's all from the logic area. Era. You know, so when they first started coming up with logics, you know, and or, nor, XOR, XNOR gates, and understand how logic works within an information system. So Shannon started looking at this and started saying, here's Shannon's information theory. He didn't say it, here's Shannon's information theory. Here's an information theory. It eventually got called Shannon's information theory. Um, dude was absolutely brilliant. Right? He's one of those guys that you read about in books and go, you know, I can never be that guy, but I can only try. Right. Kind of like Keanu Reeves. I wish I was more like that dude, but there's that's gone. I can't act. Anyway, so back to Shannon's information theory. Shannon's information theory dealt with zeros and ones in entropy and how information travels from point A to point B. So that was the beginning of having mainframes talking to terminals and how you're able to communicate and run programs onto the, the the actual mainframe so in shannon's uh entropy that's very important because what we found out is shannon's entropy it's it, it reigns in with physical laws and physics so it shannon's entropy of information is a very real thing and a lot of folks today and and it don't understand how important that is so rugging so we're talking, and all of a sudden, this entire space rugs. That's total entropy. It goes all the way to entropy max, and it's done. What if it's just partly rugging? You're hearing words and not sure what I just said. By the way, I did stop. 
Okay, because I was like, wait, it just rocked. Okay, so basically what you're saying is like the like Twitter spaces that we're using right now, if we rock, unfortunately, everything else, this goes from point A to point B. This is an isomorphic field of um, uh, uh, asset field that is being put in. Um, it's using the original um, Boolean algebra for its... Um, um, Oh gosh! You <laughs> look almost there. Almost there. <laughs> well, look what happens when I try to sound smart. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's the entropy. It just hit, <laughs> and and it happens within our minds as we speak. It happens with information systems, and and this is a a physical law. The universe. This is part of the power of the universe. This happens at the quantum level. This happens at the the interplanetary level. And, and so there's nothing that we can do in information systems that supersede the laws of physics. We may think we can, and and let's talk Web3 for a second. So many Web3 um, projects out there are trying to defy the laws of physics. And those are the ones you don't invest in. Um, no investment advice here because I am not a financial advisor, but I do know when, when you have certain technologies and certain claims that technologies can do these things when it's against the laws of physics, just walk away. That tells me that we have a, a founder, a builders who really don't understand what they're trying to build. All right, so Shannon's entropy, bits fall through the ground. As entropy has a indirect relationship, wait, wait, no, entropy has a direct relationship with randomness and a direct relationship towards chaos. So the higher the entropy, the higher the randomness, the higher the chaos, and it has an inverse relationship to understanding. Think about that for a second. These things are directly related to each other. It's not a you know, one-to-one -one relationship. It could be an exponential relationship, and that's where asymptotic complexity comes from. Which also goes into the idea of parallel chains into like a, a dark matter, right? It does. All that comes together. So the thing is, when, when, when we talk about information systems, it cannot break the laws of physics ever. Even though our federal government thinks we can build systems that do that, it, it's just not possible. So, and, and by the way, that's a, a jab at my day job. Um, does everybody here know what I do for my day job? No. All right. He's um, Batman. I'm Batman. You, oh, you remember that. That's hilarious. I, I did that to my son. I dressed up a Batman when I was a little kid. So he, he thought I was Batman until he was like 13. I, I kept that going. Um, so my day job, I'm a, a 30 plus years federal government employee. So I'm a senior executive within the FDA. My title is associate director for data architecture. But in my 30 years, I spent time in the NSA um, Department of Defense, multiple agencies under Department of Defense, Department of the Army. I'm also a soldier who spent many years within the 
um, military and retired from that. So it's, as you saw from my um, DM earlier, Kit, I've wasted 28 years of my life doing that stuff. Uh, not sure how I'm going to get that back. Yeah, but, my, my other MOS equatable to your FML is also ID10 Tango. Sorry. Yep. So we spend our time. <laughs> so basically it comes to 40 years of, of federal and military service altogether. And, and so now I'm an ex-boomer at the end of my re careers and retiring and going Web3 full-time. Full In the spring, I hope to have done with all that. So my claim to fame as Dr. Wetzel, I have built the largest information system in the history of the federal government, which also means it's the largest information system and in, in, in known existence within the world. So that's my, my day job. My fun job is I, I build stuff that matter and different projects and within Web3, I consult within different projects in Web3. I'm owner and several startups, well, angel investor and several startups and partial owner. Um, someone's raising their hand, I think. Go ahead. That's me. That's me. Dude, um, just, Dr. just Robert, it's nice to meet you. That's Robert. Just jump in, man. Okay, cool. Um, thanks for that. Hey, Kit. Hey, Tim. Uh, hey, Squeeze. I had a question for you in regards to, um, you said you're at, currently at the FDA. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Lead investor for a study on the opioid epidemic using agent-based modeling. I don't want to veer the conversation in a totally separate direction. Um, Dude, are I you stalking want... me? No. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> right now, absolutely. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> what the hell is uh, that? Yeah, oh, oh, it's cool. a soundboard. I'm sorry. I, I just play around. Oh, go ahead. That's fucking funny. Oh, yeah. It's good shit. That's good stuff. Um, I did have a quick question for you. Are you... Uh, I, so I'm, I'm thinking about launching... I'm th I've been thinking about it forever. I just need to do it. Um, a Like an addiction space. And mm. obviously, like, opioid is... For me, is, is a personal one. And I'm curious, like, would you want to, like... I don't uh, maybe well maybe we can talk about it offline in terms of what you actually do. Um, I don't know if it's just as an investor if you're active within that or whatever, but maybe we can talk about it offline or I, we don't have to take up this conversation. But yeah, you just DM me and um, if you go to my profile, I have a calendy calendy thing, and I'm always open to talk. Um, but I'm I'm very um, Shark Tank's guys are are are, are easy. Right. So I'm not going to be mean to you, but I'm going to ask you hard questions. Just be prepared to answer hard questions and be prepared. If you're not, I'll help you get prepared. Nope. 100. I am 1000% there. I am an open book, my friend. So whatever you want to know, uh, it's as raw and as real as, as it's going to get. I've been through the ringer. So I, can you follow me? I don't think I could message you, but if you could follow me, that would be amazing. So I could just yeah. shoot you at the end. Thanks Dude, I'm farming. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm always dude my my stuff is always open. I don't know how to shut it off or make anything private. You can message me or follow me or whatever. It's always open. Um so full disclosure, you know, I feel you on that. My daughter was addicted. She's in recovery and has been for the last 5 years. And so it does hit home for me too. That's why I got into that research. So unfortunately, 
Uh, there's a lot I could talk about that, but I, I won't because we're back on Shannon's entropy now. <laughs> Professor, got to get back to the class. Uh, <laughs> but you know, you know, I do, I do teach at university. <laughs> so at, I'm at loving our, this. I'm loving this. Our time. We're, we're having the discussion um, as far as like, uh, I, you know, I've never heard of Shannon's entropy. Um, Google like, that shit. Well, I, I Googled it up because in it, it, is it actually information theory or is it separate? It's all part of information theory. Okay, because I know information, like I've read through like Scientific American and stuff of information theory, but I never heard of Shannon's. Yeah, he's the dude that actually came up with it. That's the thing. So uh, there, if, if you're reading that, there, he should be in the, the references or the appendix or somewhere, because if you're writing on that, you're, you're building on his work. So I built on his work. And I built on, on Kalmogorov's work. And and Chatlin's work. So all the great people behind Turing. Turing was actually, I, I used Turing in my PhD dissertation because he started this shit, right? And Ada, she started. So all this, all these references are in my PhD research because what was missing from everything up until my, my dissertation was published, we understood the asymptotic complexity of a data set. We understand the absolute value from the M, which is your, your silicon, your systems. We understand the Y, which is the smallest bit that travels through that M and halts. But what happens when you have a, a, data, sets, a data set, which is a concatenation of strings, a concatenation of bits, it's a little bit bigger than just that the, the smallest bit goes through the system and halts because that looking at databases and data sets, nothing up to this point has determined what that actually meant in a compute system. So the complex, the, the epsilon N of, and I can't even read it, N1, that's my, this is my actually uh, definition one and the common the completeness of my entire research came to this one equation. So basically, what this is is taking a data set. And well, then, oh, Dr. Robert, I'm just going to narrow this down in, in something a little bit easier digestible, so people can relate. Is this is a I, I'm I'm assuming that this is you're talking about the data set of like a measuring like a measurement and people can try imagining a uh, staff for music with the waves, um, how they interact with one another. Yes. And that's been what has been completely missing in this equation. So if you try to do capacity planning, you know, you want to, you want to um, look at your algorithm and look at what it, it does and what it, what it's asymptotic uh, cost would be, from MP hard to MP complete. By the way, does um, does everybody know what MP complete is? Please no. go ahead and define I, for us. Uh, I'm I'm still stuck on P as the partition. I'm still stuck <laughs> on technocratic round table. Yep. Okay. <laughs> forty-two. The answer is always forty-two, my friends. Oh, yes, the variables of what is life forms. Everything that makes things living is of 42. <laughs> so um, 
MP complete is a algorithm that if you have the entire compute resources of the universe, it can never complete. It would never halt. So that's MP complete. That's something that cannot be solved with the current technology we have in existence today within the universe. So uh, with our limited brains and our limited compute capabilities within our, us earthlings, we have not breached the, the quantum world as yet and have in generalized quantum computing. So we have to deal with this generalized computing. And in that, MP complete is a algorithm that can never be solved. Okay, so I'll give you a, a real world example. We had a system within a DOD agency. It was not able to stop running. It was continuously running to give us an answer to a problem. I can't say what the problem is because that's classified. I can't say what agency it is because that's classified. But what I can say is that there were over 350 nodes, oh, excuse me, 350 um, um, boxes that had several blades within those boxes. I think it was 16 blades per box and over 350 of those in the system. That compute power was not enough to answer this question. All right, so the, the, if you think about that, that's kind of a big problem. It's kind of an expensive problem. So the senior leader involved, and by the way, a senior leader is someone who is equivalent to a one-star general and above. So you have tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four are actually appointed by Congress. So like the, the commissioner of the FDA, he's a tier four appointed by Congress. Anybody below that can actually come up as a bureaucrat. So I'm a tier three executive for the federal government. So it means I'm an 08 equivalent in, in the government. So you're not DCS net tier one. No, I'm, I'm a, a <laughs> technical executive equivalent to a lieutenant general. So, yeah. So, so you don't listen in on leaky lines. I don't, yeah, I don't bother with that. And, and, and if I did, someone would catch me. I, like right now, I, I bet my brothers at the NSA motherfuckers are out there listening to me right now. Make sure I don't say shit. I'm, I but, was today years old when I uh, realized that I have no idea who Kit is. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Nice to meet you, Kit. Good, good, talk. good talk. I've I've jumped in your spaces here and there. Come on. We, we've had these talks, but this is, this is actually like... Uh, Robert, instead of saying doctor, he he's actually my muse. Oh, I'm a muse? Uh, oh, that's so freaking awesome. <laughs> Previous life? Previous life. Let's, let's go with that. He's my aspiration that I've fallen short of in my military career. So I live vicariously through him. I have, but remember this. I'm an ex-boomer. I'm right in between those two generations so i'm, I'm just yeah. x so you'd be my older sibling uh my son is 37 your son is 10 year a decade younger than me okay so then you would be my well yeah you could be my little sister then <laughs> so, all right so so back to the topic 
So we, we have this large system. So the senior executive who was in charge at that time, I believe Mark was a, and yeah, I'm naming names because he's a motherfucker. Mark Orndorff, he was a sketchy DOD employee, came up and said, you know what, we're just going to buy, we're going to double the system. And he wrote the check because he could for $35 million. And then they brought all these systems in. And two years later, they had double the systems. It didn't solve the problem. You know why? The hardware and the software. Why? Partially. The reason was it was spending so much time managing, managing the computations rather than doing the computations. Right, so if you look at you, if you do a control alt delete and see all the stuff running on your Windows, if you if you um, you know I use Linux, so again I do a top. You can see all of those services that are running. The services that was taking up all the CPU was the management of the servers, not the computations of the servers, because he didn't understand that having more systems doesn't solve an MP hard problem, you have to change. So if we had a Crave, which is parallel processing, which is big iron, it's a um, you know supercomputer type thing, it would have worked out differently. But instead, um, buying IBM servers, you know, IBM's happy. They, they made another 35 million, um, but it still didn't solve the problem at hand. So that would be still the calculus uh, function, like um, uh, a monotonic function? Yeah, close enough. But that was an MP hard problem because it was solvable. But it was not solvable with regular Windows servers because of the nature of the 32-bit platform. If we went to supercomputers with parallel processing, that would have been able to solve the problem. But because this senior leader knew better than all of his engineering staff and his chief engineer, you're not seeing this, I'm raising my hand, I was the chief engineer at the time, and told him this, and instead of spending $35 million, we could spend $15 million, got a basic cray and solved the problem. And Honestly, the, the computations would have run for about six months, but it would have halted. So MP hard, MP complete. MP hard is a problem that can be solved with the right hardware and the right software. So, for example, Java, as you compile, compile Java programs, it has a, um, you know, a maximum thing that it can do. And what I mean by maximum thing is that the computations can do X and, and that, no more. But if you need a, a Java binary to be 64-bit on a 32-bit platform, that's not going to work. And then again, if you have a, a Java 64-bit, wait, wait, you have a 32 and a 32 may not be enough to solve it. If you have a 32 and a 64 may not be enough to solve it. 64 to 32 would definitely be enough to solve it. And 64 and 64 still doesn't give you 100% of computational power of 
that. So you have your, your software, your algorithm, your hardware. These are all parts of the equation to determine the complexity of the problem you're trying to solve. I'll break there for some questions. So the tr it can't be trans, it can't be inter interconverted for transitiveness. It can only work in a linear pattern. That's what I was going to say. Yes. And so what that does, that means you have throttled your, your, your system. So, so basically I'm going to put it into mechanical uh, combustion engine. I have a, 1979 Ford Ranchero with a 381 Cleveland engine. It's a V8 5.8 engine, the same thing that's in a 1979 Cobra jet. This is a beast. But it has entropy. So when I step on the gas, this 673 horsepower engine transfers its energy to the rear wheels. And in that process, it loses power. So the physical limitations are, are you know, set. Same thing with computations. If you have you know, all these factors, you're still going to have loss. And the biggest loss in any computer comes from your memory. And that's not a problem we can solve. Um, it's, it's very complex. It's just the nature of how it is. So, you know, you do a Control-Alt-Delete on your Windows machine. You go, oh, I'm using 30% of my memory. Well, you're only using 30% of 20% of your memory because of the entropy and loss. And so, a lot of folks don't know that. NFL, I had this conversation with you guys previously in one of your spaces about, um, like, the rendering, which is the the data collected and the um the uh, equation that's needed between to uh, harness and not lose, um, you know, the energy that's being trying to to produce. Uh, this would be yep. a the difference between variables and the coefficients in um, uh, in a polynomial expression. Or um, is, is it polynomial? Yeah, I'll just use that word. <laughs> it is polynomial. I think it was somebody else that you, who were you talking to in that space that wanted to get, that you were, I forgot who it was. Um, oh no, it was, was it Wavy that you were talking to? Yeah, to Wavy was in your space and you both were asking me questions about quantums and qubits and, and I, I gave it in a small little breakdown, but um, the Dr. or Robert Wetzel is explaining more in a, in a deeper uh, look to and expressing like what, he used the example of the his vehicle itself, you know, to its you know to its uh, ability to convert and harness versus what is being lost. Okay, is that the question that we're trying to answer? Just so I'm clear on exactly what what it is, because I would really love to follow along. Maybe I just need a little bit more context. Well, remember I was relating to the different types of, um, you know, hardware versus software. Like I can be using an Apple phone versus an Android in the same amount of data that we might be viewing. But uh, the transferability of it from even applying to blockchain technology from one chain to the other, there's uh, uh, there's different algorithmic states 
and that causes the problem of you know things we're trying to solve with blockchain security speed and um, scalability got it all right so wait should we maybe just check on tim and just make sure tim has a pulse tim you good yep i'm here i'm good i'm in <laughs> so so all this comes down to so we understand the hardware we understand the software operating system the programming language so we can measure all this we can also you know measure a the algorithm when it finishes so that's the asymptotic complexity of the algorithm so what's been missing was the data set the data set was actually um, has more effect on the computational system than most people realized. And that's where my research came in. And that's where the, the, the common grounds complexity came out. And that's where, you know, all this stuff that I've been talking about led, led to. Kat, could you like push my, um, that definition one to the, top of this group because I was trying to do it and I can't do it. Yeah, where where did you put your definition? And I can find it for you. In the, I, 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 in the message? Yeah, I okay. DM'd you. And okay. I'm sitting here trying to do it and I ended up joining the group like three more times. So that's why I popped up. <laughs> okay. All right. I will do that. Go ahead. Continue. So folks, I am not a user at any level. I am the worst user in the world. Uh, if I can break a system just by using it, it will happen. It's, it's just, I build stuff that people use. I build the systems behind the systems that people use. Matter of fact, the database that I, I, I invented or the non-database that I invented runs on uh, more than 30,000 government systems throughout the U.S. I open sourced it to the government, gave it to the government for free. Um, so that, I'm that guy, but... I can't even freaking Twitter right. So, you know, excuse well, me. Robert. <laughs> yeah, Robert, did you send it to my other account? I'm logging in my other account right now on the computer because I think uh, I can't find <laughs> my messages. See, that's just typical of me. You know, I, I'm all, I, I, I know you had a bunch of accounts or a couple accounts, and I'm like, I can't, I can't even handle one. And then I sent, signed up on this Instagram thing. Uh, by the way, I got on Twitter because one of the, the companies that I invested in requested me, since I'm on the board of directors, Dr. Robert, we need you to, to join Twitter and show the, the world that you're, you're a real person. I'm like, okay. Uh, so I did it. I've been tweeting, what do they call it? Shit posting? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I was wondering what was going on. Like, why? What's going on? Like, is it like a comment from a thread? I click on it and like, no, you're just all by yourself there. <laughs> and, and nobody replies anyway. So I don't know why they wanted me to do this, but I'm doing it um, You know, to, to own 20% of this company and 50% of that one. And then 10% um, of this other project. And so, so they asked me to do this. So I said, okay, I'll do it because as a board director, this is something you're requesting to me, but no one's paying attention to me anyway. But then two months ago, last month, yeah, last month I gave a talk and the uh, Pacific Rim in front of 20,000 people on data and, and data acquisition and data veracity. But I, you know, I say something on Twitter, I get 
two people says, hey, that's kind of cool. So anyway, did you find it? No, I didn't. Um, why, can you just write a tweet out on your own wall and I'll go ahead and, and pin it to the top for you? Yeah, I could. Oh, wait. Okay. That's, that's, yeah. Just give me a second. Is there any other questions while we're, we're chatting? While I'm trying to find it? <laughs> just a comment. Um, I really love the ship posting on your wall. is the most fascinating thing I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, what did I say? <laughs> um, this this one this one is my favorite. Sometimes, well, mostly, I don't get Twitter. <laughs> that and then the pin tweet that you have at the top also. Hold on, oh. I'll read it out loud. Yeah, it's amazing. It's this is great. It says introducing Hellbenders MC and Scobie Social. Fuck around and find out more. Hellbenders Live. Let's get. Let's go. That's amazing. <laughs> I would actually like to hear about your SCOBY uh, social. Um, I understand that it's currently had some little kinks with the uh, P2 or like the development for the um, mobile app for Apple, but. And, and, and Google. Oh, okay. And Google. So P1 and P2s. Yeah. So let, let's, let's talk about that. So, so we're trying to do this thing called Web3, which is a decentralized of everything, which I 100% believe in. This is the future of the entire world. Governments eventually will go away. I'll be long dead before that happens. DAOs will take the, the, the role, replace governments because most of us live online anyway now. And most of our commonality comes from being online. It's not geographical location. I got neighbors around me. I know the guy to the left of me He's a nurse, nice guy. I can't remember his freaking name. I don't know the neighbor to the right of me. Um, I've seen him a couple of times. He wave and go, hey. Uh, the neighbor behind me, his name's Larry. He's from Africa. Cool dude. The only reason I know him is that I was having a cookout in the backyard. And he came to the fence and we, you know, I shared uh, meats with him. So I was like, here, have a steak. And his, you know, his family came out. And so this is during the pandemic. So we did that. The guy across the street, his name's um, Larry? No, fuck. Anyway, dude across Larry the street. Larry Fuck. First name Larry, last name Fuck. Let's say fuck. No, Larry's behind me. The guy across the street, I can't remember his name. I kept calling him Bob, but he goes, no, that's your name. No, I'm Robert, but I'm not Bob. He told me his name and I already forgot. But uh, he's lived there for 48 years, and he's a retired uh, NSA employee. So we talked about that. That's my world right here in, in Columbia, Maryland. I go to the house, I just cabin I just got in Colorado. I got no neighbors. So my world now is like Kit. I don't know Kit, but I like Kit. So Kit's, she's one of me. She's one of my tribe. So the future of, of government is going to come from DAOs. It's going to come from this decentralization. It's going to come from the the humanity stepping up and say governments we're not liking the way you're doing things you just need to go away we don't need you because DAOs can do all the services that governments can do so i really believe in this decentralization so part of this is you know what's next how do we do this but google goes you know what if you're decentralized i lose power 
I'm not going to let that happen. So I'm going to tax you for your NFTs. I'm going to tax you for your crypto. I'm going to tax you for your in-app purchases. Now, of course, Apple did the same thing, right? And they did it with, uh, you know, 30%, which, by the way, is like highway robbery, right? It is absolutely... All right. I think I got you, Kit. There it comes. So I've been fighting with the Apple and Google for the last eight months. Development cost is running us about uh, 20, 18, 18, around 30K a month. They have delayed me eight months from delivering Soci so uh, Scoby Social, which is a social app that has in-app purchases for NFTs and creates a, a, a Twitter, Discord, MySpace, Facebook, all in one app. Kind of what Elon's trying to do now by copying we, WeChat. So we've, we've actually got it built, but we can't get it into the app stores because they won't approve it because they keep coming back with questions. So we have a workaround. It's in the app store now. And my guess is they're delaying because they're trying to figure out how to break our workaround. That's the problem we have. If we can get rid of these people and somehow break out of that and decentralization of, of, of us as a humanity, we can move forward. We can do the things that need to do. We can bring costless and frictionless uh, services to to the user and bypass the middle people and get rid of the the you know big techs that has the stranglehold on all of us yeah the the biggest problem that people you know it just isn't you were working on this prior but currently the new narratives that you're well i'm coming across in spaces is communicating about uh content preservation and content rights uh, through our social accounts, which is the extension of ourselves. And, you know, from that, you know, what is uh, open source, what is centralized, even though we can do a download of our data, it doesn't necessarily mean it is ours because by publish, you know, us as individuals, we're micro publishers. And by utilizing these centralized platforms, such as Twitter, Instagram, and so forth, that we're initially... Um, Given them the rights, sole rights of what we of our of ourselves. What's new right. though, right? Like, isn't that the same thing that we've been doing? I mean, they've been using oh, yeah. data, they've been using everything, right? Right, but we we're saying now that that's not the right thing to do because things that I I create is mine, and if I want to give it to you, and I'm I'm, I'm speaking to everybody here for free, I can do that. But if, if, for example, my PhD was, was published through ProQuest, you can't read it unless you paid to join ProQuest. I mean, That's crazy. That's it crazy. is crazy. It is crazy. So, so what we're doing at SCOBY, anything you post on SCOBY, it's yours. It's not mine. It's not the platform. So it doesn't belong to the, the – uh, by the way, SCOBY Social is a not-for-profit. It's a public benefit corporation. So anything we do at SCOBY is for the public benefit. Any DAO that's created, that's your DAO. We're, we're, have, we're just giving you a platform. Yeah, we're taking a percentage, but, um, you know, but it's a minimal percentage compared to what other platforms are doing. So, but we're giving you a platform. 
So it's, it's to be treated because it's built with Solana. So it's to be treated like a layer two. It is, but but uh, once we finish the Solana, then we're going to get ETH, then we're going to get ADA, then we're going to get... So it's going to be a multi-chain platform when we get done. But the, the struggles that we've had with Google and Apple has delayed us. What I'm, tier, what TCP tier are you on? English. Um, uh, well, I mean, I mean, it, it kind of sucks. It, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword and an oxy to say like uh, it's built on Solana. I do like Solana a lot, so don't get me wrong. Even though a lot of people want to bash it, it's one of my favorites. Um, with some issues, obviously, but right. but Solana is VC funded, very centralized. You're trying to create something that is more decentralized than most, um, with its interoperability, more of a, a multiverse than saying metaverse. And the the ability, where was I saying? Oh yeah, yeah. So people entering into the ecosystem, though, if, even for a layer two, and let's say it finally expanded, would we? have the ability to enter onto it from a different tier instead of a tier three? The, the plan is yes, but right now the, the technical capabilities to do this has been extremely difficult, right? So the, the solving this problem to make something, and by the way, we're open sourcing. Once we get through the Apple and the uh, freaking Googles, we're going to open source everything. So and, something and, can, what are the issues? Sorry. I, I was just going to uh, reiterate because I, I didn't answer your question in direct. I'm sorry. Um, in English, uh, when I say about tier three is that currently the ISPs that I, I talked to you previously about, like how people enter onto the Internet and how they interact with blockchains um, through our general like our phone service or our, you know, cable provider, or even dial up is on a tier three network system. And in reality, our um our servers, there's tier one, tier two, tier three, which would be in the beginning of this moment jumble, I talk about parallel chains or parallel network servers where it was accessing the deep web and so forth. And um, a web three or uh, tier three is a centralized form of where uh, the D DCS net which is like the FBI and stuff at any point in time can access and listen in or view or activate um, certain software um, motion sensors and stuff within your devices. That makes sense. Because, okay. Uh, now I have a little bit of context. So that's okay, why I wanted this. to ask, like, even if something is uh, decentralized or centralized, if I'm access accessing it through a tier three network, um, then I am not safe still. And I, if you're entering in through another uh, tier, then you're basically making it a true uh, decentralization. Is there so, really such a thing as like no. fully decentralized, Robert? Yeah, this was going to say no, no, because because the, the internet was built. Okay, let's go back to the internet built. So we're going to segue into the the building of the internet. So in 1979, the the ARPANET was released. And and so basically, the ARPANET is, was direct connections between, um, I think, three or four different, you know, again, I keep forgetting this stuff. I since squeezed the initial, um, you know, the graphic from the, the initial nodes. And, and, and so basically, that started the idea of what the Internet would eventually become. But you still have, you know, your core 
pipes and they all go through the same pipe. So we all go eventually get through the same pipes. So until that architecture changes, and it's not going to change in my lifetime because the cost to change that architecture is phenomenal. One of my uh, PhD cohort um, members, Dr. Cooper, <laughs> not Sheldon Cooper, but Kenny Cooper, kind of like Sheldon, but you know, he's a weird dude. Well, um, I got that one. I got it. I got it. Paching, but no, no, no. Seriously, he's he's a great guy. He's a good friend of mine. <laughs> so now I'm in sitcom. Uh, so so he had an idea that if we could change how we do TCP/IP, and he came up with this algorithm to change TCP/IP to be more data centric, and in doing so, um, he got a, uh, around the cost of anarchy, and he also got around the the lost packet problem. And in doing so, oh, okay. Do we know what the cost of anarchy is and the lost packet problem is? I have absolutely no idea, but let's go down that rabbit hole if we like. I mean, we've got this far. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's start with the, the, the lost packet problem because that's the easiest one. The lost packet problem is- Firewalls, I, right? Well, let's, let's get yes. to the, the, the Google quick architecture. Yes, packet drops, nodes, that type of stuff. Yes. So that's the so I send I send a message across the interwebs. I have this thing called ACK send send ACK, and that that is the the you know the header and and trailer of each one of a packet that's sent, and so it has in there a number. So you have a packet one, packet two, packet three because you can't send everything in one stream because the internet doesn't stream. And so in this, you send a packet across. It goes through multiple. Pathways to get to this end, so it goes from my source to your sink, which may travel uh, thousands of miles, and thousands of miles at the speed of light, because speed of light is how the packets are transferred through the wires, and and so this bit, this this series of concatenated bits gets sent through this wire, and it hits these different nodes. So it, it does store forward, store forward, store forward, and eventually gets to you. So you get packet one, you get packet two, you get packet five. Your computer goes, oh, I didn't get three or four. Resend. And then later you get packet six, packet seven, packet three, packet four. And then and later you get packet three, packet four again. And so that is the out-of-order packet problem. And in doing so, 27.3% of the internet is clogged up with out-of-order packet resets for a request and a resent. And then what happens when we have two packets with the same packet number? It drops one. Which so, screws up the ping, right? Yeah, well, your cache. So it's coming back and forth. So it's, it's, it's taking up your bandwidth. It messes you with your cache. And so because the timestamp on those are out-of-order, but your computer... You know, in TCP IP, it's smart enough. That code knows to go, let me take one, let me take two, let me take three. Oh, I got another three. Uh, I take this three, drop that three. Let me take four. So, so it's affecting the bandwidth and the pipes. It's effect, affecting your computer utilization. And so if 27.3 something percent, there, it, Dr. Wood figured it out it's like 27.3 well, i want to i'm going to sum that all up real quick for okay. everyone in the realm is to relate it to blockchain technology of the packets 
you know, when you send out a message to get verified on the blockchain, but it, if the messenger is, um, uh, it didn't win the, you know, the algorithm to get it minted onto the blockchain. So there's such thing as a, um, a graveyard for a blockchain, the dead on arrival blockchain that runs parallel to Ethereum and so forth. You can look it up on Etherscan. And then secondly, the idea of like the RTT, which is the pings, which are the round trip time RTT, uh, when packet fails, it, because there's a consensus of time, that's the idea of what's trying to be solved with blockchain, what originally was like a proof of work, proof of stake was the consensus of time. What is the time? So we good? So I'm, I'm curious now, this, I don't know if this is a simpleton question. Does all the edge computing that people are talking about in this last mile bandwidth capability, does that affect that or does that uh, create or minimize some of the time loss that's currently going on? Compounds it. Oh, makes it worse. Compounds it exponentially. Wow. The last mile problem has always been a real true problem to solve. And we still haven't solved it with all the technology we have today. We, it, that that goes to MP hard to MP quick, uh, complete very quick, and that's ma the mathematical terms of understand the complexity of those problems. The variable transit uh, inoperable transitive property. <laughs> I'm trying to not use big words, kid. So uh, those but... weren't big. Those that was calculus. I just forgot <laughs> what transitive actually meant. Um, <laughs> uh, a goes to B, but B doesn't go to A. A goes to B, B. Oh, right, right, Okay, got it, got it, got it. Um, just want to welcome Joshi. What's up, man? How are you? Oh, just chilling. I'm just, uh, I saw technocratic, and I'm like, you know, that's, uh, you don't see that word very often, so <laughs> I'm here listening. <laughs> that's your jam? <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 unelected yeah. Uh, government p officials, just, if we're having a roundtable talk, it sums it up in technocratic. Got yeah, it. yeah. I I was looking for like technocracy and names like that because basically a technocracy is uh, people who rule over the people that are intelligent. You know, are are have uh, you know uh, are scientists and doctors and the things they make the decisions. You know, um, as far as I understand it. And yeah, I picked up technate, like the actual word, like the North American technate that they uh, envisioned, like a, a whole country where the you know the people in charge are the people who are you know have the most uh technological intelligence understood uh-oh you're in the wrong place uh robert what type of scotch are you drinking <laughs> i am drinking 45 year single malt um from glenn Livich. Glenn Livet. Oh my goodness. My spouse and you both drink the same damn thing. <laughs> yeah, but this this is a uh, 45 years, so it's kind of hard to get a hold of. Show yeah. Up. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know my my whiskeys versus scotches, they're all the same to me. <laughs> so, um so we understand what the the uh, out of order packet problem is now correct. Yes. Okay. So it, it cost the computational. It cost. So this is the opposite of frictionless, right? 
it, it has real cost with the computations, has real cost with network transmission, has real cost on individual machines, it has real cost and, and, and dollars when you send these things out of order. And it actually slows down the network. So, for example, when the Super Bowl is on, and, and I can't say which agency I was at when I we did this experiment, the network, the, as in the internet within the U.S., what became extremely saturated from out-of-order packet from streaming because of the protocols that we're using from people watching the, the Super Bowl. So, again, we're back to physics. Physics doesn't lie. Math doesn't lie if you do it correctly. It can lie if you, you, you miscalculate, and that does happen, and I'm, I'm guilty of that. You know, I never... I get the decimal wrong all the freaking time. Kind of like that dude in, uh, what was it, Office Space, Michael Bolton. Damn, I got the decimal wrong. You know, instead of getting a <laughs> yep. salami yeah. slice. It got yeah. like millions of dollars in the bank account. Like, oh no, it was supposed to be like trickling over yes. a long period of time. Yes. Kind of like Richard Pryor in Superman 2 when he showed up in the Lamborghini. Oh, we're never going to figure out who, who stole these <laughs> half a cents. Yeah, that's the motherfucker right there. So, so again, that's the, the cost of out-of-order packet. Let's go, let's talk about the cost of anarchy. The cost of anarchy is a book. It is a book I recommend if you're into like a computer geek kit, this is something right up your alley. I don't know who else oh, you're... Wait, what, what, what is that supposed to mean? You're a freaking nerd like me. <laughs> that, that's, so this book, if you read it, then you, you expand your mind and understand more about how this networking thing across the world works. And then when you talk to the, you know, 99% of people I talk to are normies. You know, we got this thing we call, oh, you're not Web3, you're normie. I'm in Web3. Most, most of the Web3 people are normies to me. And I'm not saying that to be insulting. It's just I've been exposed to this stuff since the 70s. Yeah, I, I was trying to say a lot of people that are just getting into like supposed Web three and crypto or cryptography, they, they, you know, they're building onto something that's just an expansion of what we currently have, rather than understanding how it was built to, um, you know, to advance and update what how we interact. Right. So the price of anarchy. Um, how many folks here are familiar with load balancing? I've heard of it. I've never done it. <laughs> well, you shouldn't do it. It should be done by your ISP. <laughs> if you if you're doing it, then you're 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 not a user. You're a freaking you're you're one of me, bro. Load yeah, balancing. It's the, um, it's the load balancing at what level? Gosh, what is it? Um, the traffic. Um, the oh, I'm trying to remember when I worked for AT and T. Traffic calming. Traffic calming by the servers, I'm, right? Yes. ISP, so you, ISP or CPU? Uh, it's the ISP, but it actually does apply to the CPU because if you look at the the processors. So if, let, let's talk about a MIP processor for a second. MIP processors millions of instructions, and and in a MIP processor there is uh, approximately I want to say sixteen open spots within it, so you can actually flash your CPU. And, and change how a MIPS processor works. And so you can change the price of anarchy within the chip. 
I'm not going to so, go into that too deep. That's too, too. So it would be important to know what your processor ID was. You're cutting in and out. It would be important I, to know what a processor ID was. Well, you know, again, this is just something as an individual MIPS processor, right? And so it's not, the processor ID is not all that relevant because you have instruction set architecture within that processor. And, and what it is, is, is different commands, store, add, sub, store, forward. Well, those would be the, the, the AZs, the, um, uh, the zones that are set. Right. And so in a misprocessor, you have 16 open spots. So you can actually reprogram. Like a Pentium processor has thousands of spots in it that you can reprogram. But if you mess with that and not understand the instruction set architecture, you can actually brick your CPU. So, but I wasn't going to go down that part. I want to talk about load balancing at the network level. But it does, it can be um, customized at the CPU level, but that is computer engineering uh, 513, I believe is a class. We're, I, we're not I in that tonight. I get what you're saying. So the reason why you're going into load balancing after packets is the fact that uh, uh, load balancing is the distribution of the uh, packets being dropped. Correct. Correct. So on this World Wide Web, we're connected through all these different gateways and, and nodes. And what happens if I send something to you, and I'm just speaking you in general, so the source is me, the sync is you. It's going to travel around the internet through different pathways. And when it hits a, a, a like a, a, a device, a router, and that router goes, okay, I got this package from here. It's going to there. Let me store it. Let me forward. It. And then I have pathways coming into that router. But then all of a sudden that router gets saturated and you have packets waiting in a cache to get into that router. So a, a load balancer would be in front of the router and go, that router is full, let me send it to this other router to send it somewhere else. And so that is kind of like, you know, moving the traffic around the internet. The price of anarchy is the algorithms that's used within the load balancers sometimes get into a race condition and cause the out of order packet loss. Race condition. Does everybody know what that one is? Well, first of all, are you talking about this because it's fresh in your brain over the uh, the new Linux merge? No, this is fresh in my brain because I designed the system on the Department of Defense, uh, oh, the largest information of system. Of course, you did. <laughs> and that was my problem to solve. That was twelve years ago. What? Twelve years ago? Oh my. Gosh, that's amazing. Oh, so, boy. So you're, you're in charge of the deployment of our software and everything between devices and our connections and our VDHs, or not VDHs, like the cloud computing as well? You muted everyone. They may have to unmute. That was my fault. That was my fault. That was my fault. Oh. My apologies. All right, I'm not touching the button. Okay. <laughs> I'm talking Carry to on. myself. I'm talking to myself. So the answer to that was yes. And uh, 12 years ago, I worked on this project 
It's, it's called the DISN, Defense Information System Network, the DODEN, the DOD um, Information Network. And so this is the, the backbone that resides within all the internet within the world that I was responsible for redesigning. So as the, the lead engineer for this project, um, all this stuff was in my head because I had to solve it. And it's still in my head. So unfortunately, after all these years, if it was in my head 20 years ago, it's in my head today. So you're, gosh darn it, man. I have so many questions on another time about like proxies, HAP, and, and so forth now. <laughs> so that's that's the price of anarchy. That's the, that's the, the out-of-order packet problem. That is the, the core of the internet in its current iteration. So to get to that next step, to the decentralization, this architecture has to change. So back to Dr. Cooper, Candy Cooper. His dissertation said, if we change these things within TCP IP, and he ran the experiment and built a bunch of systems that uh, routers that actually did the thing he wanted to change, reprogrammed the, the instruction set architecture of all these routers. Actually, he didn't do it by himself. I helped him do it. Um, so he was in my cohort, but I also became his advisor on his PhD dissertation, which was kind of funny. I was the only student. I, I defended my dissertation and then became an advisor um, another student's dissertation, dissertation for my cohort. So, and, and by the way, his dissertation came from my lab book that I had from the problems I had at the DOD. So three of my cohort members took my lab book and said, can I use this for my dissertation? I was like, here, have at it. So I helped three of my other uh, cohorts get their PhD through, through some research I did at the Department of Defense. So Kenny rewrote it, came up with these, these ideas, and we, it, you know, he ran it out. And so when the demonstration came, he did his dissertation defense, and everything worked like the charm. You're able to transfer data at mass, because now we concentrate on moving data, not just TCIP and, you know, packets this, packets that, time this, time that. TTL had to change and all these little, you know. So to, to change this, it would be IPv4 version now, and, and to do that within all the routers that are currently in place, we estimated cost to be about $78 trillion. So to move the, the, this is the final point, to move the internet to a decentralization platform for the internet is going to cost so much money, we can't do it. But I thought, I mean, that's the idea. I mean, it's going to... The, the way that technology is moving on and how this conversation started was the idea of qubits. And my, my other theory that I had, and I don't know if it sounds too outlandish, was the idea of teleportation of data without the hardware and software to reduce that. And basically the funds uh, would be in the process of uh, trying to produce energy. So let's talk about that for a second. That is actually a, I'm talking about doing it with the current technology available. So this is where we're at with the current technology available. To, to do what you want to do, we need to have a breakthrough in quantum entanglement to the point that we can actually control that. 
And to, to actually get to quantum entanglement where we can control, we need to be able to understand quantum in a different way than we understand it today because we're looking at it from our current mindset of what the internet is and what information theory is and what, uh, you know, price anarchy is and what the out order package is and what all the stuff is now. And we're trying to look forward. So what's going to have to take is that break into quantum computing that's that's not specific quantum computing like google did and they had that quantum moment for milliseconds and able to solve that problem which was amazing but it cost millions of dollars to solve that one problem so it's not cost effective in in our society well when we when we talk about entanglement though when i mean looking at it in the idea of um, musical theory is that we can harness entanglement through uh, the air with waves, um, you know, transmission. So in that case, then we would look at like Tesla's law. Um, not talking about Nick, or not, we're talking about Nikolai Tesla, not Tesla right. with Elon Musk. But uh, what was it? The interdimensions of the power of seven. Yes. So 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 the thing is, that's what we have to be able to do before we can actually move forward. And so to take that from theory to applied. It's where we're lacking. So to me, that is still an MP-complete problem until we have a breakthrough that makes it MP-hard and then into just an MP, which is solvable. Yeah, well, again, everything is so thrown up the air in theoretics and still to be proven. But um, yeah, gosh, I don't know This is why we're here. This is why we're here. (laughs) And this yeah, is why I, we're I, now. I but enjoy it's still amazing. the talk, but like it's Nikolai, still amazing. Nikolai Tesla's code, um, three six nines. You know, basically that would cause anyone OCD a heart attack. But uh, the inner dimensions, which they've discovered, like um, inner transmissions, transportation of actual matter, and um, yeah, gosh, I, my brain's fried. But you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> so, so, so the universe still has lots of secrets we have not uncovered. Nicholas Tesla is one of my heroes. I he, you know, there's this dude out there who do, redoes uh, Nicholas um, experiments, and I forgot what his name was. I saw him on YouTube. I I like this guy, so I started to, you know, I really started to think about let me do freaking Edison's and and become his rival. You know, his evil rival. I hate Edison because Edison was uh, compared to Nicholas Tesla is like a, a chimpanzee. Yeah, just a fucking thief. And and even like being confronted, uh, Edison just stated like it doesn't matter if I'm intelligent or not. It's the it depends on who I know, and that's generalized like marketing the squeaky wheels oh, yeah. of grease. Yeah, he's a he was a chimpanzee compared to Tesla. So, but um, I, I I thought about doing that when I retired just to be that guy, just to you know do YouTube and have fun. But I was just like, you know what? I don't fucking care. I'd rather do other stuff that really matters. That was just something I played with for a little while. And, and, and the fact that the dude never contacted me back, even though my LinkedIn says who I am, I do. We could at least talk and collaborate. That would have been funny. I thought that would be hilarious. I would put on a lab coat and act, act, act like I can't hear. I've already got a white beard. My hair's going white, so I can look like Edison. I, I've got the Edison trait which is uh, beyond OCD. So it's a, you know, it's a thing. So we could have had a good time with that. But either way, there, there are things 
that were in the past that were lost or things in the future we will find and and the ability to get to quantum entanglement once that happens the world changes you know nothing matters about privacy nothing matters about uh you know this blockchain because all the stuff's going to be broken so our society is going to have to change in general go ahead so so question for you how far are we off in terms of like quantum computing right because there's a lot of theory now that or a lot of con- i don't know if you want to call it even conspiracy but in terms of the blockchain right everyone's like oh the future of blockchain is so bright but if there is a quantum computer that is developed and i don't know how many qubits it has to be in order to like crack a blockchain how far off are we because i saw reports of things like uh, ibm is developing a 1023 qubit computer yeah before he gives an answer can I ask the previous speaker to... Is that Wavy? No, that's Bernie. It's Bernie, not Bernie. Wavy. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Hey, Bernie, how are you? I'm good. Um, I heard what you were saying before. I actually wanted you to actually clarify what you mean by quantum computing. Oh, um, when I say quantum computing, I mean supercomputer, anything that is not what we know. I'm the simple, thin, okay, like the most layman term ever. All right. So when you say supercomputer to me, it just means computational power. Quantum computing means something very different. I think you know that, don't you? Uh, yes. So in terms of like how a computer is made, I think yes. Or like how no, you generate but, that power. Do you, want, do you understand what quantum processing is? Uh, by definition, no. Do you want to tell me? Um. Well, let's see. I'm not a physicist, but it's it it deals with the concept that you can actually calculate something backwards in time and forwards in time. So when you say quantum computing, that's what you're talking about. Do you understand? So that's, the entro- that's the entropy that we were talking about information theory. No, got it. Not okay. Let's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so entropy. It's the you, okay, day. Bernie. You missed the, missed earlier the uh, we're we're doing a, a mental walkthrough in like a live dialogue on leading up to quantum computing and the theories that uh, characterizes what it is, um, along with the al- algebra, uh, algebraic um, computations. Yes, which, so Bernie, it, and I've just heard someone say that quantum computing is somewhat analogous to supercomputing, which is incorrect. Um, so the fifth dimension. Um, Bernie, we have a, a special guest, Dr. Robert Wetzel, who oh, no. is doing the walkthrough, who's yeah, actually that, a computer physicist. Yes, and that's the guy that just said, Oh, it's kind of like supercomputing. So No, maybe... that was me. That was me. That wasn't that wasn't Robert. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> no, no. I, I would hope he wouldn't say that. Sorry. No, no, no. When he said that when I said that when he said that I was cringing, I was like, Okay, I'll let that roll for a while. Yeah, I'm that's what I was saying, Bernie. I'm kinda like the simpleton of this group. <laughs> I'm the average everyday layman, so I'm trying okay, to kind of so, yeah, I got the wrong answer before. I'd like to hear Robert's answer. So, so the quantum computing. So, let, so Bernie, you're right. It's enabled to do cu- calculations and know everything about that calculations in the future and in the past, all at the same time. That's generalized con- quantum computing. The only thing that we've done thus far with it that I know of within the the world is called uh, uh, specific quantum computing. You have a problem, 
you build a, a quantum computer that solves that exact problem. Doesn't matter how many qubits that you have going, so far it's only been a specific problem. And this is astronomically expensive. It's not feasible to solve. You know, if someone wants to break my blockchain and my encryption for a quantum computer to do so, and then they break it, they'll find out that the value that they just got was not worth the money that they just spent in order to to design, build the specific computational quantum computer. Oh, so thank you. thank you for that answer, because that was 100% correct. <laughs> well, I should know. That's why I got my freaking PhD, Bernie. Well, I'm glad. If that was the case, um, I wasted my damn time and money for the you know those eight years. The reason I ask is, is I hear people throw around quantum computer and supercomputer, and they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So sorry. Exactly. Yep. That, that's why we're running this space because there's too many people out there that are extroverts talking shit, and then there's us <clears> that. <throat> are yep. kind of echo chambered in little spaces like this. Yeah. So, asked about, and and actually I'd like could Dr. Robert speak again about how hard it is to break a hash on Bitcoin. Okay. So mathematically, right now it's an MP complete problem. We are unable to to solve that breaking of the hash if we take all the compute power in our current situation. Let, let's say I have a government computer, which I do. Um, no, I don't anymore. I used to have a government computer. So, so the thing is, uh, Bernie, um, I gave a, if you look me up on LinkedIn, you'll see who I am and what I, I've done. So I spent time in the NSA, Cybercom, Department of Defense, and now in the FDA, where I no longer have access to those type of resources. But at some point, I had computers that would be utilized to break uh, encryption. Can I, uh, can I ask you to stop for a second? Sure. If I were to ask you, how long would it take you to break a PGP key that was like one one thousand twenty four bits? How long would that take? Uh, about three hundred and sixty some years, maybe more, give or take right. the calculations. So we're on the same page here. So you can tell me how long it would take to like fake a Bitcoin transaction. I think is what I'm getting at. So that's the same thing. It's going to be yeah, exactly. uh, actually it's a little bit more difficult because you have to have a 51% of the nodes under your control. So to be able to do that, the computational power is just not worth the the amount of dollars it would take to get that that those 51% to be able to fake that. No, and then you even add in the fact that you have to find a block in that tile to inject the incorrect data. Yeah, um, I'm not even not even talking about that because that's in, in, in some in a few other. So if you take the uh, 300 plus years, add that to the the blockchain, like in Bitcoin, you're you're talking thousands of years with the current computing power that we have available. So okay, can I ask so a question, Bernie, yes, and, and Robert. So um, I think this is what's going to be maybe relevant to a lot of people in the room that are kind of like me, where if we look at ethereum now right like let's put bitcoin to the <laughs> side one second right like are, like i don't think ethereum right now there's all these things going around of like it's not as decentralized or even close to as decentralized as we think i mean it's not even close to bitcoin what is the theory on that in terms of how many nodes do does a blockchain need to run in order for it to be considered fully decentralized like in ethereum versus bitcoin kind of I guess yeah, the, the, the answer is one the answer is one <laughs> I like this dude. 
Bernie, where are you from? <laughs> I'm from Australia. Oh, no. Okay, so that's why I like you. So I was actually in, in Iraq, and one of my one of my best friends there, um, Master Chief Robbins, he's from Australia. And then we had, yeah, so he, he was a fucking crazy dude. I love that dude. No, look, I, I just dropped in on this thing, but, like, I, I always find it amazing that people don't understand the basic concepts of, like, cryptocurrencies. Like, it all goes back to PGP and, like, you know, <clears throat> how big a fucking hash you can make, right? But no so one seems to understand this. So it's hash and it's peer to peer and and it's it's you know the process is of combining these different technologies that gives us what we call bitcoin. So yes. So but apparently so when someone asks about ethereum and I say well I have opinions on ethereum <laughs> do tell <laughs> do tell. <laughs> uh well, I choose not to touch it. That's my opinion. Well if I asked you, hey, what makes it decentralized and how many nodes, and you said one, right? What makes Bitcoin more attractive? If I have to choose one or the other, what, what, why would you tell me to choose one over the other? Well, I believe that you call Ethereum now a proof-of-stake network, don't you? That's correct. So yeah, so you're pretty much fucked in that case, in my opinion. Why? Do you, do you know what proof of stake means? I do know what proof of stake means, but what's the difference if there's a couple, a bunch of nodes running? It's decentralized, isn't it? Is that the definition you just gave me? Yes. Make it make sense for me. Please. So there's a difference between proof of stake and proof of work. And if you don't understand the difference, if you don't understand the difference, it doesn't matter. I do understand if the difference in terms of the consensus mechanism. Well, uh, that's clear. If you think it's irrelevant, which is a perfectly good answer, then it doesn't matter. No, I didn't say that. Well, Tim, yeah, I, I want, I want to, I guess I'll add this tidbit or request. So, as brilliant as I can tell you are, Bernie, I would ask that, you know, in those, I guess, some of these scenarios, because everyone hasn't had the well they had the opportunity but they may not have done the dives in to understand some of that even on the basic level because you know everyone has their area of specialty and expertise and sometimes it's helpful to get the additional feedback because I know you know we're talking about load balancing what came to my okay, mind was making sure your clothes were spread out evenly in the washing machine so your washing machine didn't put a hole in the floor but Look, uh, all I can say is that at a low level, Bitcoin and Ethereum are completely different things. The, the concept of proof of stake has been seen on other chains before, and there are ways to game it. Well, the the whole thing is like Ethereum before the stupid fork merge shit like that is that it was proof of work. I, you know, the... I am still bullish on proof of work POW, but Ethereum and Solana are 
just spitting images of what Bitcoin is. They're trying to take an alternative route of trying to solve the three problems of the S's of scalability, uh, speed, and security. So they all took their their forte to uh, hone in on and find what worked, what didn't work. So th- this is just all early. So like, from my experience, I've seen like delegated proof of stake and real proof of stake. They can all be gamed is all I'm saying. So if you're comfortable with that, fine. I'm not. Bernie, oh, Bernie. what are you drinking, you? dude? Yeah. <laughs> I, I no, that's fine, because like, we're all having stuff right now. Uh, what are you having? Coffee. That's all? Damn. Hey, Bernie, can you give us background on you? Like, like if you don't mind, like, just to give us, like, a little bit of, like, context? Uh... I don't know. I have a degree in fine arts and arts. So you're going to say, oh, he doesn't know nothing about maths. Is that correct? That is not correct. I will never judge a book by its cover. I'll tell you that much. I graduated <laughs> with a completely different degree, don't we all? But hey, it is what it is. So like, you love what you love. Bernie, if I was going to talk crap, I would say it to your face or your PFP. I don't talk crap behind people's back. I don't say out in space. Isn't it open? It's it's fine. All right. So if you want to my history in cryptocurrency, um, back in two thousand and nine, I heard about something called Bitcoin where I had to like download the fucking core software and like make my computer do work, and I got bored with it, (laughs) and and forgot about it for a few years. Then in 2015, I, I, I saw it again, and I bought an ASIC miner. And so for a while, I had a number of ASIC miners mining Bitcoin. So, yes, I'm fairly familiar with Bitcoin from 2014 onwards. Gotcha. Yeah, I wasn't looking to qualify you by any stretch. I was just trying to get some context so I understand because... Um, I want you to, like, I, I would love for just to hear from you, you know what I mean? In terms of, um, like genuinely the questions I asked, I'm not, I promise you my intent in asking those questions is for a genuine answer. I'm not looking to prove you wrong. I feel like in spaces, a lot of times, a lot of people are going no, no, to be right. I promise you. I'm not. <laughs> Thank well, you. Let's sir. just, let's just reset the room real quick and put out a disclaimer that everything we say here are lies. And secondly, uh, <laughs> nobody has to prove Jack because we all come from something and we're learning together. And that's the point of the space is that we're trying to give the correct information. And if it's challenged, you know, hard the questions should be responded with hard answers. The reason I dropped into this room is because you actually do have someone here who's kind of confirmed the maths I was talking about, which is. My name is also Robert, by the way, not Bernie. So when I say Dr. Robert, that's the other Robert. Understood. Yeah. And I dropped in here just to see whether he was going to say the right thing or the wrong thing. He said all the right things. So mathematically, he can answer all those questions, right? (laughs) Um, I'm not sure what the question of this room is, whether like crypto is a good idea or whether it works or whether it's like a legitimate currency. I have no idea. I can tell you that Bitcoin is legit. Other ones I can't tell you about. 
Okay. So we, well, we were, yeah. Dr. Robert uh, Wetzel was uh, giving us a, a lecture. This is like a lecture hall. So there was no questions. We're just doing a walkthrough to catch us all up on the theory of. Um, Sometimes that can be that can be problematic because you need to ask him specific questions. So I would ask him, like, what's the difference between Ethereum and Bitcoin? And he should be able to answer that. <laughs> 42. Yes, the 42 or the power of seven dimensions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Proof of stake versus proof of work. Let's, let's, so so I, I'm, I'm going to jump on the, the other Robert's bandwagon. Right. So so here's the thing. Bitcoin is the shit. So if you're investing in any other coins, it's to me, it's kind of risky. And I'm not going to lie. So I dox myself. I have invested in other coins because there's still yeah, money to be made because of you for a second. Well, you know, you know how when you see people that say not financial advice. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I financial say, advice. I, I say I, well, okay. Well, I say financial advice. If you're going to waste your money on fucking shit coins, fine. Bitcoin's okay. That is financial advice. Carry on. Well, okay. So I, I agree with that statement. You know, the majority of my, my, my portfolio in crypto started in 2010, 12. And, yeah. and so that tells me that, you know, it tells you what my core core is. Um, <laughs> like, I, I do like yeah. Litecoin? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, no. So, so, so the thing is, there's still money to be made in these other coins because there's hype behind them, and I, I try not to get caught up in the hype, but there's also functionality and utility in some of these coins. So, you know, I have a project that's run on Solana. I have a project. Not, not often I get to speak to someone that understands these things. So you just brought up utility, right? Right. So, so I have. We'll put, I have. Um, sorry, I was going to say utility so Robert, coin. You got to let, let him finish one answer, though. Like we want to hear just. One, I want to hear him just finish one of them, if that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, think I was going to out like right now. Me too. Okay, I was trying to push so, this in the right direction. No, no, Ether, no. no. I'm, I'm, I'm in the right direction because of I've got a portfolio that's still winning. So as long as I'm winning, that's a good direction. Now, is that the okay. the, the, and, the final answer? No. So the core of, core of everything is Bitcoin. Bitcoin has the thing. And any other coin that comes out, any other crypto block currency or blockchain that comes out that's similar to Bitcoin, that's, that's something that has legs. It has sustainability. It can grow. Bitcoin is finite. Uh, finite. There's only so many Bitcoins and that's it. Ethereum, that's not the case. So is, is there limitations to Ethereum? Yes. Does Bitcoin meet every utility? No. Um, <laughs> is is that is that the best it, answer? No, it's it, not. We need to have just... something. We need something that has transactions. We that that at the speed of transactions, Bitcoin does not deliver that. However, my question. Yeah, Bitcoin is core. Bitcoin is going to everything. If I come up with a new coin, I'm going to come up with a new coin. I'm going to call it Shitcoin One Hundred Two. No, shitcoin 42. Hi, sorry, I have an interjection to make. Is that okay? Go ahead. I mean, yeah, go for it. Right, so do you remember Segregated Witness? No idea. Segwit? Nope. Uh, Robert should understand what Segwit is. Oh, Segwit. Yeah. 
which massively reduced the fees on a Bitcoin transaction. So my question is, why would you even bother with Ether when you can send Bitcoin around for like three cents? Time. Okay, NFL uh, segue is uh, is just like a soft forking versus a hard forking. Um, okay. No, I got no. I know. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't hear what he said. I know what segue is. I'm good. Yeah. Thank you though for the clarification, kid. I oh, I did. I didn't hear the word, so I couldn't. I couldn't make out what he said. Same. So, uh, so I don't know if it's. Yeah, I didn't know if it's my uh, Scotch or your accent. So. It's this, it, the, he was asking about the consensus layer. Ah, gotcha. I was asking about segwit specifically. <laughs> So when you say, like, oh, Bitcoin can't do this and that, well, it can, because we've seen it happen. But he was saying, Robert, he was saying at the speed of transactions, right? Like, why Visa is building on layer two Ethereum is because, like, Bitcoin is great. It's secure. It's the best we have in terms of, I mean, I don't want to put words in in the doctor's mouth, but it would take a while, right, for me to pay in Bitcoin at a convenience store as opposed to swiping a credit card or tapping my Apple Pay. Which is correct, but, like, generally I wouldn't pay in Ether because I don't like spending $30 to pay $1. Bitcoin can do it with sidechains and SegWit. So why do we have other blockchains? So, well, again, that's, a good that, that's a good yeah. question. Ethereum is not a good chain. It's inefficient and stupid. But maybe you think is. <laughs> do you have a different opinion? So Ethereum, you can like make contracts on counter contracts, this, that, and the other. But the expense of doing it is almost not worth doing it. I'd like I literally only trade trade ethereum on a on a sex cex centralized exchange because to move it around it's too expensive why would you bother i mean it's getting there i guess comparatively right but i think what dr robert was kind of getting at which i really want to hear the answer to if that's cool um yeah. is the speed of transactions and the differences between both of them so i'd like to let him finish if that's okay with you robert it is. Can I just say one other thing? Sure. You need to define what you think of speed of transaction is. I dare He will. All right. Carry on. Go for it, Doc. Oh, Bernie. Oh, he, he, accidentally, he, he got kicked oh. out on accident. I'm adding him back up. He just sent me a message. Let me know. It, it, Twitter just glitched on him. Oh, I thought it was Bernie. Bernie, my apologies. Well, uh, it is Bernie. Ooh. Bernie came in here, guns blazing. And kinda, I mean, <laughs> luckily this isn't a regular podcast because uh, my podcast shows I would have just recorded what was needed for educational purposes to redistribute. And this is um, this is definitely yeah. a technocratic roundtable for sure. See, Bernie, I had to, I didn't want to do that. See, we're getting massive reverb also from your phone too. Which I hate using that mute button. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm back. Generally, I, I don't kick people. And when I do kick people, it's usually the right person. So probably don't kick him because he's smart. <laughs> well, if you did kick me, I'm, I'm also a soldier um, with 28 years of experience from 18 Bravo. So that if you don't know what that is, you better ask somebody. I, I can no, find I do. people. I, do. I have a certain set of skills. So I'm imitating Liam Neeson at this point. 
and you just don't want to get involved with those. Yeah, then in easy. case I'm a 91 whiskey, so I just bring them back. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That, that's awesome and all, but I, I want to hear your opinion of Ethereum, and I just gave a bunch of reasons why it sucks. So carry on. Well, I, so here's the thing. There, there are many different chains created because there are problems to be solved. Now, do I agree that all the problems to be solved were solved in a reasonable fashion? I do not. But if you have a hammer, every problem is a nail. So even though I think Bitcoin is probably will be the most sustainable, the final cryptocurrency that outlives every cryptocurrency. Yes. Now adding parts to Bitcoin that these other um, chains do may be feasible, but the complexity of doing so may be outside of the computational um, capabilities of systems that we have available right. to so us today. Can I, can I stop you for a second? Go ahead. So what is it you think Bitcoin doesn't have? All right. So, so for example, transactions happens uh, for, for buying stocks happens in, in milli, milli, milliseconds. That can't happen on, on the blockchain. It has to go through, through the entire proof of work. Now, if you would add to it that capability, I'm not sure that you know, one plus one is going to equal two. Because it's going to be an isotomic complexity. It's going to be created out of this that's going to be exponentially uh, increased. All right. So can can I rephrase this? Like, I used to have a lot of arguments about these idiots that thought BCH and BSV were a good idea. So they have, like, block sizes of, like, 4 gig or, like, 4,000 megabytes for BSV. Is that correct? I, I, I'm not sure what that is. I couldn't understand uh, you. Uh, B Bcash and Bitcoin Satoshi Vision, so BCH and BSV. Okay. So, okay. So, Robert, um, like we're we're kind of we're jumping all over the place, and I think we're like I don't think anybody's really following kind of the line of questioning. And as much as I like, I genuinely like I, I right. want to really foster kind of the discussion, but I feel like can I roll it just, back? Can I that? roll it back? Can I roll it back then? Can you well, roll it back? Well, Bernie, can you just give everybody Bernie, else an yeah? Go ahead. We're just yeah. gonna take a moment and uh, continue where we left off. If we can retrieve and backpedal, but uh, we've all we lost half the space with uh, this bouncing around. Um, this type of discourse can be communicated another time, but I don't run my spaces where we focus on one particular blockchain or projects and so forth. I again, I want this to be educational purposes for uh, the, the ecosystem. Can I ask then that you just mute me and not allow me to speak? Um, because I did the question I'm asking, yeah, <laughs> the questions <laughs> I was asking are, are very central to Bitcoin and Ether. If you don't want to hear it, that's fine. But Fantastic. you actually, you that's are learning. That's we the can thing do though, Robert, it another not... time. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah we, exactly. I appreciate this, but that's just for another time. Okay. Got you. There you go, Robert. I got you. Mute button. Thank you, though. I appreciate the questions. Respectfully, seriously. I actually enjoyed the discourse. I know it kind of maybe bored some other folks, but the only thing I would say is that I, I never finished one answer for one question. Correct. <laughs> yeah, that 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 confuses people that don't know what's going on. So I know for me, I'm, you know, in the beginning, I was I was clueless as to what you all were talking about. But the more I listened, the more 
I started to pick up bits and pieces and things were, were starting to click. But the yeah, it's it was difficult with the whirlwind of um uh yeah, it came a little more difficult. Yeah, the the the, the verbal walkthrough was helpful to start enlightening and then um you know, it, it's like uh, in class where everyone's focused and finally getting into the groove and then uh, a horse or a squirrel runs by the window. <laughs> squirrel. All right. So so but I do appreciate the, the, the dialogue with Bernie. I really think that uh, he and I would actually get along very well because he seems to understand the construct. But I think one of the things that was missing out of that is that blockchain is a tool. That's it. It's a tool. It has a purpose. No matter heard, what the what the chain is. So it has different reasons and different purposes. And and, and I am the biggest fan of, of, of Bitcoin because that's the core of my portfolio. 85% of my portfolio is Bitcoin. Copy. No financial no financial advice because not my skill set. <laughs> All right, so I know we had another speaker come up. Lover, what's up? I was just listening in, and uh, it it seems to me that Bitcoin is the only true currency in crypto. It really is. It's slow, it's clunky, and it's beautiful in, in its purity. It only does one thing, and it does it very, very well. It is currency. It's Ethereum and all smart contracts, that's the building blocks of of the foundations of how we use currency. And all right, I just muted you because I gave a discourse um, disclaimer earlier, and I appreciate these conversations and soapbox talks on particular chains and so forth. But I, it's getting late night after hours for me, and I'm getting a little bit grumpy. <laughs> I muted. You um, and Bylaw, I hello. I gave you a mic. Do you want to pop up? Um, for those that actually came in here because they're seeking information or want to have actual discourse to bounce ideas off, please go ahead. But if you're going to sit up here on a soapbox just to give out um, your views and push them on to others, please do not do that. Fair enough. Hey, Bridge, what's up? Oh, go ahead, Tim. All right. Hey, guys, I just uh, jumping in here a little uh, trolling a little bit, but uh, I uh, interested in, in not interested. I've actually do a lot of identity architecture and it's true that the Bitcoin is an axiom and the word axiom is a focus of a spe specific ID. And that axiom is a foundation to move to other, quote, Ethereum or whatever blockchains. So, and now that I came to here because of databases and creators, and I'm sort of wondering, you know, how that bridging of that identity uh, moves around, um, and if anybody has any comments on that. Hey, Kit, I got a question for you. Are we getting back to the original conversation or are we just going to free flow from here? Because 
I'm not sure where I, I kind of lost the beat. You know what? We, we're this. doing free form. It, it, like from the beginning, as I said, this is a casual space. I didn't hit record. Whatever happens, happens. Okay. But I, I do want to keep the shills out and because this, this should just be an educational learning space. Okay. The one thing, well, just... uh, Axiom, unfortunately, I can't hear you. So if, um, if someone's, I'm going to mute myself out. And if someone's talking to me directly, just say kit. Okay, you got it. So Bridge, can I ask a question? Maybe I think yours was directed towards Dr. Robert. Like, what are you, what chain are you building on and why? Because I think what Dr. Robert was saying was, like Bitcoin is a is a tool, right? So what are you building your product, like your identity protocol on and why? And maybe we can kind of compare the two. Okay, let's say if you have an axiom like uh, I own like myhumanid.com or mydatabaseid.com or mygeneticid.com. Basically, it's a it's a uh, a directive gateway for SSI, self-sovereign identity management, to manage your identities. So in this case, you would say, well, I need a unique GUID global ID to attach to this object that I self-identify to. And in general basic term, terms, you would apply that to, or um, present you with a Bitcoin, but in the secondary market, whether Ethereum or any third party, you would apply rules on top of those applications of identity. So therefore, when you as a human, whether it's going to my voter ID or my uh, student ID or wherever, whatever identity you want to present yourself in the world, you have to attach these identities from a foundation global architecture mechanism. And so while we talk about all these things and all these governments and jurisdictions and laws and so forth, they all determination have power over these identities. And um, the internet in itself, whether it's IPv6 or IPv4 or uh, 5G architecture, wireless identities, all these things control the management of our identities. While Bitcoin may be the foundation that we can start with, it's how we apply those identities to applications and persistent applications that I basically are building on. Okay. Doc? You didn't really answer my question, Bridge. My question was, what, like, what are you building on? Like, I see in your thing, and you gave us kind of the good shill. I appreciate it. <laughs> what are you building on? And like, because I want to address what the doc was saying in terms of it's a tool. Well, Bitcoin would be, or the Bitcoin ID would be the basic. But if you're going on the the did did architecture, the W three C architecture you would apply a did method to your identity. 
and you would apply a DID architecture to a database or even a creator ID. So all of these mechanisms All right, are, uh, I'm reading all this bridge identity. Unfortunately, I can't hear you. And I normally hold these spaces Thursdays around 8 p.m. Eastern time. I did start this at 8.30. They're usually one-hour spaces for educational purposes. Uh, we did go over, and right now, for some odd reason, my phone is glitching with the uh, Twitter application and our general discussion for free-flowing uh, free, free um, kind of got um, disrupted, and we're going to be closing the space down about 10.30 in my time, so in a little less than 10 more minutes. Thanks, Kit. And just FYI, just so you know, Kit, if you want, you can actually don't X out of the, the space. You could just like close it on your phone and then relaunch the application and it should give you an option to reconnect. You have 60 seconds. Don't know if you could hear me. <laughs> I have my closed captions on. So, okay, I'm going to give it a try. If it's rugged, it's rugged. And uh just in advance, I appreciate everyone popping in, and let me try this. You got it. <laughs> Go ahead, Dr. Rob. So, so here's the thing. Um, you know, we have people who go, Bitcoin's number one, Solana's number one, everybody's on their own chain, ADA, Car Carneo, you just dot, 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 to the end. Truth is, all these things are tools, software as tools. You use them as appropriate. Now, some are better than others. Some have real intrinsic value. Others have uh, functionalities that's important to allow for utilities. Can Bitcoin do it all? Like, you know, Bernie is, is hard on that, or the other Robert. I, maybe. Uh, I've just seen that it's, it's not feasible uh, at, within transactional times. Um, Solana has been something I've been building on, uh, Ada, Carnell, believe it or not, Ripple. And, and so I look at it like this. I have a nail, I grab a hammer. I have a Phillips screw, I grab a Phillips screwdriver. I have a hex um, 316, I grab a socket set. So each one of these has a use each one of them has pros. Each one of them has cons. Do each one of them have value? No. So does it have to have financial value? No. Does it have to have utility? Yes. So no matter what you do, like my PFP for Hellbenders is built on Solana. What does that mean? Well, that PFP itself has utility. I've set up a game within Hellbenders. That game is you answer these questions. This is from Carl Jung and Jungian psychology. It gives you your shadow. It gives you your light. It gives you your solar. It gives you your moon. It gives you your personality trait. So at the end of that, your, your PFP is created and it is you. And if you if you've you know, somebody decides to do that. I sent that to Kit for her to look at. You do that. You become a character in a game that is you, 100% you. 
and the characteristics is close to you know those Brig Myers and those other tests. It's very scary out how well it predicts who you are. And in this game, I'm using Solana with all the metadata to connect up to the servers in that NFT and that PFP to do the logic. The logic in the game is like myself. My empathy is the lowest thing ever. It's not that I don't care. I just don't know how to show it. So the task that's going to come to me in this game is to help me become more mindful, more caring, and improve me as a person. That's kind of, you know, kind of cool. Could I do that on the blockchain? Not really. The, the, the transactions that needs to happen, the logic needs to happen, the, all the stuff that needs to happen, it's extremely difficult to do so. So we're looking for different tools to solve different problems. So your PFP may be Solana, it may be ADA, it may be Java, it may be whatever you know, the blockchain is that gives you the benefit that you need. Again, not financial advice, these chains are still not valuable by dollars or fiat as much as Bitcoin, in my opinion. Again, that's my opinion, not financial advice, but they have utility that is useful. Did I answer the question? For me, yes. Thank you. Project, go for it. Appreciate it. Um, I, I just wanted to touch on something that Dr. Uh, Robert was talking about in, in regards to the, the hammer and the nail, and, and he hits that. Just, just Robert, dude, just Robert. I may have a PhD, and, and, and I may, you know, just call me Robert. I, I make my, my people at work call me Robert. I appreciate it, Robert. So, like, and I do believe that you hit it right on the, like, the nail right on the head. And every, like, every tool, like, has a purpose for its specific things. Everything has, like, the good things and everything has their drawbacks. So, when you're looking at a chain, I'm not a chain maxi by any means because, like, I see... Bitcoin, I see Ethereum, I see XRP, I see Cardano, which is ADA. Like I, I look at this different chains and they all have their use case, right? And will there one day be a way to be able to intermingle between chains? Yes, because it's inevitable. inevitable. Sorry, my English is not really good looking sometimes. But it's something that's not going to be able to be avoided in the long term. How long is it going to take for us to get there? It's really going to depend on us and how inclusive we are and how we're able to work with one another to make the chains interoperable. But it's going to happen regardless because it's part of the technology evolution. If you would have told us 40 years ago that we were going to have a way to be able to to track down every single transaction via a blockchain, it would have been ridiculous to a lot of us that are currently in the space. But so here hold, we are hold on, hold on a second, my brother. So you know Buckminster Fuller predicted this in 1967. Just saying. Really? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. 1967. So that's a futurist. 
who sees what we're doing as humanity and as a species and say, we're going to have electronic currency in the future. And this electronic currency is going to enable all this. He predicted this shit. 1967. Buckminster Fuller. Somebody needs to run that man his bag. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Droppies? How are you? Dude's dead. Hey. Dude's dead, but he's he's he. You know, he's still my my favorite. Him and Nicholas Tesla are and Da Vinci are my heroes. Solid idols. Droppies, what's up? You have a question or anything? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm just looking to uh, add to the conversation. Um, I mean, what, what are we talking about today? What's the, the topic of discussion? <laughs> you missed a lot. We're actually closing down probably. Actually, we're a minute over. <laughs> We've been going at it for a little bit. Um, it's Ask yeah. Dr. Robert um, random shit. I think that's what it's <laughs> What We're trying... This, well, I should change the title. I'm like, how, how many buttons can we push on Dr. Robert? And I'll just emphasize the word doctor. <laughs> but call him Robert. <laughs> Kid, if, are you good with another couple of minutes? You all right? I, I, I am. I mean, is everybody kosher? Robert? I'm good. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm just sitting here enjoying my 45-year-old scotch and... and... I was trying to buy some NFTs, but you should not drink and buy NFTs. Okay. Oh, <laughs> but my that... God. Or, and yeah. then you ha it's just as oh, bad I... as trying to do stocks, but then you try to rage invest. Listen, yeah. I, and just for that, it, it's not financial advice, but it is, it is wise advice. <laughs> Tim, Unfortunately, it's a little bit too late. I moved 20K it, from fiat to um, crypto and, and just went nuts. So let's see what happens tomorrow. Hey, what's up, Tim? Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and, and bow out on the last couple minutes. But you all enjoy it. It has been a pleasure. I won't say that I learned a lot, but I definitely learned something this evening. But I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll catch up on the Tim. next Hey, hey, hey Tim, my brother, I, I enjoyed you here. I, you know, it, you've got my contact. Just reach out. You have any questions, DM me, bro. For yeah, sure. Tim, thank you so much. You're welcome, Kit. You're welcome for sure. So, NFL Project 1010, Dropsy, Robert, uh, Wick. It's been a pleasure. Tim. So we'll catch you. Always up. a pleasure, Tim. Always Thank a pleasure. You, Tim. You can't wait for your space on Saturday, my friend. Absolutely. I appreciate it. You all take care. Yep. Well, I don't, I don't want to keep you guys up too late, but what I do want to do is go ahead and follow every single speaker here in the room. Um, that way I can catch you guys on the next one. Uh, do y'all do these spaces regularly? Uh, I try to run a just a general uh, space for educational purposes on Thursdays, roughly give and take 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, I usually have themes and today was just kind of on the whim, just keep to a, a schedule. I had nothing planned and this is just organic of a bunch of trolls getting together, becoming friends. And it is not the beginner course. I'll tell you that right and take it from <laughs> me. It is not the beginner course. And, and, and the but thing is, I, I'm normally too busy to attend most of this stuff, but uh, I'm off tomorrow, so I'm just chilling. 45-year-old scotch. Well, here, here's the thing. Um, I Ever since the update with, like, the Twitter spaces, um, 
and like not being able to easily find new like people outside of your network um i'm always on the lookout for people who are just like here to provide value and good vibes so um i'll turn my notifications on for you guys and hopefully i can catch you on the next one amazing are you the official like droppies account like twitter account yeah i i founded the project oh amazing great tool by the way great tool nice Thanks. It's yeah, an amazing tool. Have you yeah, guys I'm, used it before? I'm the most un uneducated user in the world. I just build stuff that most people don't know that they're using the stuff that I built. So in, in general, I just got to Twitter because a board of directors that I'm on, they, they said you have to get on Twitter and tell people that you're a real person so they can get the investors involved. So that's why I'm here. That's how I met Kit. That's how I met these other folks. And so I am. What was my, my thing? I don't understand Twitter or most of the time. Oh, your shit post? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it's called. I just learned that term just the other day. And Kit, I think you're the one that told me it was called shit posting. Or it was. It was NF NFL. You talking about today, or are you talking about previously in, in a tweet I had where I was talking about shit posting? Oh yeah, yeah, it was a tweet where we talked to about um, how do you shit post, and you're like, what? Yeah, is and I, and I said, what the hell is that? So Kit has been my translator to the Twitterverse. Um, so to let you know, I'm a ex boomer, so I'm right between X and boomer. So I've been in web since web one well pre-web one so as a, a department of defense i was i knew the people who created arpa and the darpa net so all the stuff that started this stuff out and believe it or not the navy created the uh dark web and so i knew the folks who did that as well and by the way the dark web is not as dark as you think it is because we know shit what <laughs> you founded silk road i knew it I did not, dude. I know, <laughs> I know the people who created the protocols that's used for the dark web, and they set it up so they can monitor nefarious people. And the fact that people think that the dark web is anonymous, ha, 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 ha. that's my evil and, laugh. Yeah, exactly. I was the one that, like, on the freaking uh, Navy cruise ships where I had to... Uh, also be an engineer even though i was the one that was doing the security uh oh, navy. no i wasn't i wasn't navy i was army but i had to play along with the navy and when the the telecommunications you know basic fuse box breaker needed to be custom made i electrocuted myself and fell what <laughs> so, so that's what happened okay now that explains everything but, the, but the, the navy research lab created the dark web in case you folks did not know that so uh kit you probably knew that because you're the army on the navy wait so doc wait so kit wait doc kit like what can you guys doc what could you tell us about like your buddies that are listening in at the nsa right now give us some like you know, confidential info or like non, like right at the, you know, give us something that I can walk away. You like, you heard Droppy. She's like, she wants to come here, in here and get something, some real alpha. Give us something to walk away with. 
something Thank that you. we can literally walk away from, not something that you have to tell us and then we're going to get murked over. Correct. Great clarification. Thank you. Pro yes, yes, yes. Because I was getting ready to say, I don't have people, you know, you know, you heard the thing, if I tell you, I got to kill you. So at my level, I have people who do that for me. So uh, I, again, I'm retiring from the federal government next spring. Let's wait to then till I'll drop some shit. I am going to be doxing the federal government. I have a book I've been working on for the last two years of all the nonsense that the federal government's been doing. And let's, let's say this. It is not nefarious. It is not they have a secret agenda. It's just they're all incompetent motherfuckers trying to hold on to the little bit of power that they have in their little bitty worlds. However, I want to say this to my NSA brothers who are listening to me now. Fuck you, bitches. <laughs> yes. Kit, maybe this Let should be a podcast. <laughs> Did you record that shit, Kit? <laughs> it's not. The space isn't recorded, but it's always recorded. We can always pull this. Uh, <laughs> well, hold on. I'm on a phone call right now. I'm sorry. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Yes, it's, it, it's a G6. They're, they're having a, a G3, G2. Yes, G2. G2 is giving you a call right now telling you, shut it down. Wait, why are you saying fuck you, bitches? Like, why? Like, what, 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 no, not to you guys, to the NSA folks. I know, but why, why to the NSA? Because I'm tired of this whole government nonsense. So, okay, let's go back. I have been working on this project for opioid overdose for over a year for the FDA. And through the incompetence of my colleagues, this is over a year, and I haven't onboarded two Ivy lead university PhDs, DMs, to help work on a epidemic that's affecting the U.S. in such a hard way right now, the opioid epidemic. And it's thousands of men hours, $4 million of wasted dollars. Over and over. So this this is just one tiny project. My previous project at the DoD, I was the chief of uh, the fourth, uh, the chief technical advisor to the fourth estate. What that means is all non-combative DoD agencies were under my per diem, as in CIO for all these different agencies. So you know, there's a few people here may or may not know, but I'm equivalent to an 08, which is a lieutenant general in the federal government. And so these people worked for me to solve some very complex problems within the fourth estate. Unfortunately, that's a $19 billion project that I cut $3 billion off in a very short period of time. And in the process, Trump's administration contacted me and said, stop cutting contractors. And I was like, fuck this, I'm out. And then I went to the FDA and now I'm at the FDA. And doing this research project, it's wasted $4 million a year and a half of time and still have not started the project that is so important to the American population. My job is to protect and provide to the American population. If I cannot do that, I am not doing that my job. And because administrative personnel within the federal government, they have blocked that. They are cock blockers. Did you say what the? Thank you. Did you say what the project was? Or are you are you allowed to say what the project? Which was? one? 
Which one? The one that they're that they're not working on, but they should be working on. It is dealing with. Um, so I I came up with this idea because you know I'm I'm an idea guy. I bring um, startup mentality to the federal government, and I scare the shit out of supervisors. So far, I've gotten four supervisors fired, which are SES, senior executive um, people, because of their incompetence, corruption, fucking stupidity, shouldn't be in the job. So I apologize for my, my army voice here and the words that I'm using, but when I get into this mode, it, I get on my soapbox, I get so pissed off because you know my job is to protect and provide for each one of the citizens within the U.S. And when that doesn't happen, and I'm prevented from doing that, I just get upset. And honestly, I'm also a soldier with severe PTSD. So I apologize for that part of my life, but I can't take it back. No need you to know, apologize. You know, been, been deployed five times to a combat zone. Um, just, I, I get triggers. But now I can talk about it. I'm a little bit better. I'm on medication, seeing a psychologist, doing the things I need to do to make me better. But in the, in the meantime, I'm dealing with federal government who just want to block everything that's good. And it's not purposely. They're just incompetent. And that's where I'm at within, you know, within my career. I'm retired from the Army now. They got my paperwork. I'm hoping to be done this year. It, I was supposed to be done last year, but maybe this year. And then I'll retire from the federal government next spring. And I'm done. That's 40 years of service. Now I concentrate on Web3 doing Web3 stuff because this is really the future. Decentralization, decentralization is the future of everything for humanity. And I believe that 100%. I've invested in Web3 companies. I've invested in platforms. I've invested, Angel invested in projects. Um, I just dropped 20K into another project tonight. Um, you know, again, this is the future, not just for me, but for humanity. And so I really believe in this Web3 decentralization process. So I'm doing everything I can across to make this a real reality. So I love it. I love it. Uh, I know we had a couple of people questions. I know, do you want to? I, I have yeah, go so ahead. many. Get go ahead. Droppy's head. I saw Droppy's head a hand up. I'm just now looking at my phone. I'm trying to look at the freaking monitor where I have my computer and the phone. It's all different. But You should be looking at where you put that 20K right now, Doc. <laughs> Well, yeah, forget that. I I dropped fifty um five hundred K in something else earlier this year and then another fifty K in something else last year. So I've been doing this since two thousand fourteen, dropping 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 stuff into different projects I feel is gonna be something that's gonna bring bring future humanity forward. I love it. I love it. Drop hey, if you want to ever drop something, uh, NFLchampion.eth is my uh, is my domain. And uh, <laughs> Droppies. <laughs> Dude, Droppies. if yeah. you have a project, it's worth something. I'll look at it. Send me a DM. First oh, thing I'm going to ask: Is it real? Can you win? Is it worth it? So what you don't know, I have an executive MBA from MIT, and I kind of understand the business too. 
So I'm bringing business to Web3. And that's what I do as my side gig. That's how I get these different opportunities. I stalked you, remember? I saw you on LinkedIn, so I knew that already. Oh, shit. <laughs> gotcha. Go ahead, Drumpies. What's up? So I'm just dying to know, what are your thoughts and opinions on uh, regulation for NFTs? Needs to happen. Because you have too many ruggers, too many people who are incompetent by not knowing business acumen. You have people who are nefarious. You have people who are just not capable of running the business. Just because you speak the lingo, H-O-D-L, and good morning, doesn't mean you understand the technology that you're trying to push out. You have a community, and we're going to build that. Well, build that shit first, and then bring your community along. Have something real. Is it real? Can you win? Is it worth it? If you can't answer those questions, those first questions, you don't need to be here. I so, agree. So, the, the fun, I'm sorry, thank you. I have, to, I have to add to this conversation because the thing that like really ruffles my feathers is like when people want to complain about like Web two and they want to like be mad about like uh, like businesses in Web two and say, oh well, all of these corporate companies they just extract value out of people and then they're over here selling NFTs that do nothing to better anybody's life that have like little to no like uh utility or use and like they don't inspire anything like art isn't good there's no brand and they're over here selling it's it's just so ironic to me because it's like you are literally if, if that is what your project looks like then that is literally snake oil that is being sold not the the businesses that are actually making an impact in people's lives but it's it's just so ironic to me so i'm glad you that. that is truth so, so a lot of folks, you know, ask me what it takes to, to invest. So I've, I have friends who are in this, you know, in this space. I mean, they're friends. We, we, we chat, we talk, you know, I had a conversation just a few minutes ago with a friend of mine, you know, he called me from somewhere. I, I don't want to dox who he is, but his, his business practices are shady as fuck. I'm not going to invest. Because he's shady. He wants to, to, to create this gambling thing. I have an ethics committee that I report to as a senior executive. I'm not going to do that. This is not something that I'm not going to do. Right? So, so you see people who sometimes it's purposely, sometimes it's just... They don't know any better, or sometimes it's just, you know, they they just don't know. So 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 again, I stay away that you know from those things, and make sure that when I invest, it's real, it's worth it, and I can win. And if I keep doing that that basic construct, you know, so far I have I've not I've not been rugged, I've not lost the only loss i've obtained is from the bear market but we all lost from that and if you look at uh, you know across the spectrum including my stocks and my nfts and my crypto i'm only down 21 percent yeah and i'm stacking like a motherfucker stacking yep. so when this, this shit is... goes up yeah 
This is where fortunes are made is in the bear market. I just want to get the project. Hey, project, go for it, man. Appreciate it. No, I, I just wanted to add to the, to the conversation about I, I wanted to wait for everybody to, to finish uh, what they were saying. Like, I, I loved what Robert was saying, what Dropy was saying. It, it really comes down to the intrinsic value that you're providing. And how is it, at least for me, the way that I see not just NFTs, but crypto as a whole uh, moving forward is how are you you're going to be able to solve an issue that's going to not even an issue that has no fix or no way to resolve it currently in the market but how are you able to innovate and merge both real world use with web3 technology to provide day-to-day -day utilization for people to be able to use and consume it on a daily basis whether it's as a rewards token whether it's as an access pass whether it's as keys to a um to, to a club membership that gives you certain things, like what is it that you're actually able to provide and how are you able to provide it without depending on secondary market sales? If you are, if you are a project that solely depends on secondary market sales, then eventually you're gonna you're gonna fail like you're gonna fall off because there are gonna be bear markets and there are gonna like if your value is so good and then people that hold your token, whether it's a fungible token or a non-fungible token, at that point, they're not going to sell it unless somebody offers them a a, a life-changing amount of money. And if that happens and there are no sales in the secondary market, then at that point, your equity and your finances and your um, uh, like the way that you're able to provide that 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 value is going to run out and in doing so then your whole marketing scheme is going to dry up and and you're done so you need to have a way for you your business in itself because that's exactly what it is you're going to need to have a way for your business to be able to self-sustain regardless of whether or not you have secondary market sales like you should be building your business plan and your organization in a way that you would hope that one day you have a one-to-one -one ratio of holders and uh, and tokens whether again it's a fungible or a non-fungible asset you want to set it up in a way where like you want to have a one-to-one -one ratio where people are not gonna want to sell it because that's the amount of value that you're providing to that individual and in order to do so you need to set up multiple sources of income streams whether like and even though one of the most popular ones right now is merchandise it shouldn't be the only one you get me like for example with my project like yeah it like even though the the main collection gives a lifetime access pass that's a very limited amount especially when you're considering that i'm going to be building jiu-jitsu and mma mma gyms on a global level those gyms are going to be need to self-sustain in a way that is not going to be dependent on the secondary market sales of the main projects nfts right so they're going to be regular like they're going to be regular jiu-jitsu and mma gyms with regular multi-memberships and obviously because it's going to be global like there's like it's not just going to be based on us fiat but it's going to have a monthly price based on their uh national coin so like it like you have to design it in a way where you are not 
depending on secondary market sales. And if you don't design it as a business with a business structure, with uh, an actual outcome to it, you, eventually you're going to dry up your funds. So project, hey, project you, you have got a couple of things extremely right. So FYI, um, I'm fifth degree black belt taekwondo. Just doesn't raise his hand. Doesn't doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> no, I don't. Go I don't. Ahead, I, I, I thought we were just talking. So so project. I'm a fifth degree black belt in taekwondo. I'm a third degree black belt in jujitsu from the Okinawan jujitsu. A third degree black belt in Motabuha Shitoru, and I hold several black belts in in different styles of kung fu. Plus, I'm a combat. Uh, uh, you know a a. Um, military combative level five which means at one point in my life i was a freaking badass i could go into a bar and clear a bar i'm i'm over 50 well shit i'm just going to docs now i'm 56 i'm at retirement age i've got about 15 seconds of fury and then if i don't fuck you up before then i'm done but here's the thing yeah i know it's funny right Here, here's the thing the business idea the market that you're talking about, the the value that you're giving, if you have that in a community, no one's going to sell your NFT because they want to stay with you, right? So I have a side project. Of course, I have a side project. I have multiple side projects. It's acmeworks.com. It's a placeholder because I can't do it now because I'm in the federal government, but I you don't know, teach people how to do work with the federal government. I literally have... Uh, a salary coming from that for 150k a year, and I'm still, you know, still working, but I can't really expose that or dox that to the public. So the thing is, I'm teaching companies who want to work with the federal government how to work with the federal government. I'm working with a Web3 company to take the blockchain design into the federal government. So, so in that, I have a product. I have an NFT that they have to purchase for me to work with them to do that. And, and, and doing that, this dude has already said, oh, this is my NFT. This is how it works. Here's my contract. This is what I get from it. It's a smart contract. They're not going to sell that. That's going to stay. And if they do, it's because they built up their company to be able to be self-sustaining. And then they'll sell that contract, that NFT to somebody else who I would then work with to do this exact same thing. So your idea, your 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 MMA idea to create NFTs from that, well, you know, you could build up your 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 dojo. So at one time I was a chief instructor for five different um, dojos. And if you find me on the internet, I was a nineteen. Um, 9293 coach of the USA Taekwondo team, the head coach. And in that, you know, I, I trained the team to go to Russia that fought in world games and, and pulled more medals in the history of the USA Taekwondo team up to that date. So you have the opportunity to take that particular skill set, that particular domain, and bring it into Web3. Send me a DM. I'll hook you up with some other people who are doing the exact same thing so you can spread the love. I love this. So 
Droppies, I'm going to come to you in a second. And Robert, I love that project. I hope that was helpful. And I want to throw one thing in here that I think is really going to kind of put the ribbon on this whole thing. I mean, it can spur a whole other discussion for sure. But I am super, super heavy into ENS, the Ethereum name service. In my opinion, it is not going to be a project of a monkey or an ape, a bear, a lion, a fish that is I'm going to look to for like utility that's going to change the world, right? I think that what ENS and, and any other, and I'm not like an Ethereum maxi, it's just what I happen to stumble upon. And I'm super like, I, like, I genuinely believe it's going to be something great. Um, oh man, what happened to project? But um, I think for every NFT, I think this needs to be a staple for every single NFT project out there because not only is it instant utility, but it's utility like project was talking about when it comes to like having your .eth address, there I, I'm built, currently building out use cases and I have this kind of like really geeky, nerdy flowchart um, that I'm using to help like onboard people because the DAO isn't really like helpful in that sense. So we gotta be the content creators, but it needs to, in my opinion, ENS or whatever chain you're on, like I think ENS is gonna, it, it, it's not, I don't know about went out, but it's kind of at the at lead of the pack right now and it's for good reason. I think you need some sort of a naming convention where your your wallet address is not 0x93524 lowercase a cb312. You know what I mean? That simple thing of a human readable address changes everything. But when I start digging into this ecosystem, forget about what it can do for jujitsu and for you guys, like for what it can do for the business aspect for you project. Like, I mean, if you, I don't know how, if you've, if you've like this, like delved into it at all. But like I'm saying, like it's worth a look because I'm telling you, like I'm speaking to business owners and it's changing. It's really helped. Like we just got to get it. We just got to get it out there. Like, so, I yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely yeah. agree with the whole uh, ENS. But I uh, like uh, re, like the one thing I like about it currently is the fact that it's supposed to be on Web3 and yet you're still releasing that ESM name. So I actually have been utilizing more the unstoppable domains just because you buy it and then it, it is yours because it's on chain, right? That's so um, different. It is on chain. But I don't know where this kind of comes from because if anything, Ethereum is more decentralized than the option of being and minting on Polygon. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know where that came from, but I promise you that that's myth. If you really look into it, you'll notice that Unstoppable is the one that has the 60 million in VC funding and VC money. It's not the Ethereum. It's not Ethereum. They're getting money from the Ethereum foundation. But I oh, no, no, no. I get you. Like, hold on, guys. I, I, again, I'm going to jump in yes. and I'm just going to give my, my two cents because I have to leave here in a minute. Um, but yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, like whether you're uh, looking at like Ethereum name services or you're a project of your, your own or maybe you're trying to work with the government, uh, there's one thing that that remains consistent, which is you need to be able to uh, like consistently deliver on the value that you're providing if you want to scale and if you want to get customers and, and grow your business. So uh, for context, I have almost a decade of experience in sales and marketing. Um, and that's without getting into the weeds. Um, I also have experience working with creatives and booking those creatives gigs. So that's kind of how I got into like the Web3 space and how I developed Droppies. Um one thing that I've been able to take from my Web 2 experience and bring into Web 3 is uh, like sales and business strategy. Uh, basically, I can't win unless small to medium sized artists get as many token holders as possible. So that way they have people to airdrop to. 
that's why I wrote the NFT handbook. Um, it basically goes over everything a small business owner needs to know to create an irresistible offer um, to add value and to consistently bring that value to their community. Um, I think a lot of times, unfortunately, people, sorry, I'm like trying to get my dog to stop biting my toes. Hold on. <laughs> you good? Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry guys. I, I just put her up. Um, yeah. Anyway, the point is that, uh, if you don't have like a product or service or utility that not only is like solving a real problem for somebody, but also something that's scalable that you can give to somebody the second that they buy into your project, you're going to struggle to uh, convince people to buy into you. Um, so this, this handbook that I wrote really outlines like not only like how to do like market research, um, but it teaches you how to create like a roadmap and to create a utility that's specific and unique to your personal project. So um, that's all I wanted to say. It's like, I think a lot of people think that business is like this um, really ambiguous thing. But I mean, there really is a blueprint. I mean, there's there's so many businesses that have been successful by following like standard practices. Um, it does not have to be hard. It just takes time. So I wanted to help creators get back to creating by kind of um, gathering all of the business acumen that I've learned along the way and kind of throw it all together on one resource. Um, and it's only like 20 bucks too. So it's like really affordable for anyone who's interested. Can you, can you send it? Can you send me that and drop, like if you're down, I would, I host Twitter spaces all the time. Like your insight would probably be super valuable to a bunch of different communities that I'm a part of, specifically the ENS community. Um, I would love to chat with you if, if, if you're down at, at, at some point. Yeah, yeah. drop that, drop that yeah. link because Kit, I'm going to sum it up in, in three words. Or, no, three smart, short sentences. Oh, that is scotch it? is hitting. <laughs> yeah, the scotch is hitting. finished it up. I just sent you photos of the scotch I have in front of me. I, I, I like, I sent out a, a, um, a what is it, a, a SOS. I'm out. I'm fucking out. <laughs> right, I just finished my 45-year-old bottle, 45 <laughs> bottle of scotch, and I'm like, there's nothing left. Oh, shit, what am I going to do now? I'm off tomorrow, so I'm just sitting here getting fucked up. Uh, is it real? Can you win? Is it worth it? That's the sum of what you just said. And that's, I hate to say it, MIT was probably the best expense that I had in my entire life. Granted, the PhD was pretty cool. The second PhD, I'm still not sure about that because I'm doing that now. The PhD in social psychology because I realized technology is easy. People are the freaking problem. So I'm trying to understand people and with no empathy, this is hard. But the, the from from MIT, is it real? Can you win? Is it worth it? One, like is it, it real? Is it real? Is the technology capable? If it's not capable, 90% of this this rugs that you look at there technology is not capable of doing what they say it's going to do if you knew that then you wouldn't do it in the first place two can you win meaning that is there a market do people really need this problem solved if the problem is not a problem to other people then you can't win don't invest again a lot of the nft web view projects fit that category is it worth it okay technology is real people have a problem it is a real problem 
but it cost me $3 million to solve a $1,000 problem. It's not worth it. Again, that's a lot of the projects out there. If we do that from the beginning, and Kit, you just said that, that is the summary of everything you just talked about. I, I spent a hunt, uh, 150000 to fucking learn that lesson. You just said it. I don't know what you spent, probably a lot less to get your knowledge that I got to get my knowledge. I think it was droppies. This I, I've been pretty uh, AFK for a little bit here, Robert. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? So I spent all this, year, all these years, educating myself through formal, <laughs> formal education. Hundreds of thousands, you know, two PhDs, executive MBA from Ivy League colleges, just to say, shit, I could have just got on Twitter Spaces and learned shit. Yeah, this is trial by fire out here. Let me tell you, my 11 years on Wall Street didn't teach me what friggin three months in Twitter spaces and in the in the crypto uh, in the crypto Twitter sphere has had, like taught me. I'm not even kidding. Like it was expensive as shit. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But man. So fuck all all of Twitter and all you guys, because I, I, <laughs> if I didn't, if I didn't spend that. Well, let's put it this way. I'm not sad that I spent that money. Because I wouldn't be where I am today with the experiences and knowledge that I acquired along the way. So we are the sum total of our experiences and thoughts up to now. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, so I'm in a similar position that you're in. I don't have a master's degree, but I started college when I was 14. And the one thing that I can say, like, you know, everybody wants to say, like, oh, well, in 2022, skills are more important than a degree. And yeah, like practically that makes sense, right? Nothing can replace experience and um, actually like diving like headfirst into an industry. But the one thing that being in education and being an academic taught me was um, undying dedication to accomplishing a goal. Um, if I were to be, you know, job hopping around or hopping across different startups, I wouldn't have learned the, the true grit and dedication that enables me to do the things that I can do today as a founder. So don't don't take your education lightly, man. You earned it. I don't. Here, so here's the last part, and then I'll shut up for a while because I think the droppies had a couple of things to say. The education has given me a background and an understanding and a depth that Twitter Spaces would never give you. You can't get it from there. To understand and see why the price of anarchy is so expensive. To understand what the the you know the the problem that comes in from the last mile to understand to research and to solve those problems with Commodore's complexity and expanding that definition with definition one that I came up with my PhD research cannot be gotten in in spaces. So there's a subset of knowledge that underlines all of this. That is missing from the founders. That's missing from the Twitter spaces. It's missing from the people who reach out and go, I know shit. You, you don't understand the history. You don't understand that the mechanics. You don't understand how standards were built and why standards are in place. The thing that you're building is on top of the stuff that I designed and built for you to be able to do that. That's the educational value 
And, and to be honest, MIT, my experience there, I was like, oh, it's Ivy League. Who gives a shit, right? I have a degree from DeVry because I got deployed to the Middle East and I wouldn't have finished my, my degree. So I transferred out of a, a Ivy League college into DeVry to finish my degree. I got it. It doesn't really matter. It wasn't much different. But when I got to MIT and I started the executive education, it is so much different than any other experience. I was like, holy shit, this means something. I got some stuff. I have knowledge that people just don't understand. And I have these conversations with people in these spaces, and they just don't understand. And, and it's like, wow. That's why we need people like you in this space. Um, yeah, I, I got to drop you guys, um, but it really was a pleasure. Thank you guys for, for running the space a little bit longer. And yeah, I, I followed everybody in this, in this space. So I'm looking forward to staying in, in contact and following y'all's journey. <laughs> Thank, you for, Thank you, Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for inviting me. Robert. <laughs> I, well, I got nothing to do. I'm off yeah. tomorrow, so I'm just yeah. staying up all night and drinking. Well, no, I can't drink. What's you... up, Drop? <laughs> Robert, you are definitely a ham and in rare form tonight, my friend. Hey, yeah, I got to drop, guys. I want to stay too, but man, hey, I want to do this again. I do. Like for real, I mean, I was thrown into the fire tonight. I hope I did decently, like to sort of like curb law and order in some sense to it, for it to be productive for everybody. But this was awesome, Kit. This was hella dope. I'm dead serious. Thank you for inviting me here, and we should do more of these, Kit, for real. And uh, Rob, like this was great. Thank you. Yeah, and I just want to say, hey, Ajax. I'm so sorry. We're coming to an end. Um. Robert, if you can, uh, real quick, if you could help me, I'm trying to pull up, trying to figure out which is the actual ID of the space, you know, the space ID. Is it the last extension that's after the forward slash spaces, or is it, and does it include the last digit number? You're asking a guy who doesn't know how to use Twitter? I'm and asking a guy who knows stupid technicalities because i'm going to pull up the i'm going to um i didn't record the space but i'm going to pull the um through the apis the uh, binary mac and steal it so fancy <laughs> have a good night guys all right there good night nfl be any ajax protocols would there <laughs> ajax protocols oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're funny goose that was funny <laughs> This is what happens, Baroness. This is what happens when you invite me up for a mic. Good evening. Well, I had to give you a mic. We were closing down. This is what happens when every I say, oh, we're closing down. Somebody else pops in, and I haven't heard from you in a while. And I'm just going to do a shameless shill for Ajax here. Uh, he's also a community member where we completely wrecked ourselves. I'm not going to blame it on the particular thing, but he does participate in podcasts now to slowly release his uh, PTSD and aggressions towards other with, you know, aggression, deflections, whatever you want to call it and reflections and you can join him at what is it again joy crypto what's your podcast called 
<laughs> I uh, I broadcast as the personality Joey Crypto on the Three Shots podcast. They tweet at Three Shots PC. I tweet at I am Ajax. Oh no, excuse me. I tweet at. <laughs> well, you I guess that's yourself. too many glasses of Cabernet. That's too many glasses of Cabernet. Dude, I, dude, that, that that's VGX like Hero I, Ajax. I, I finished all my scotch. I need more scotch. So so drop a link because. I can't do shit on Twitter. I I will send you hit the podcast link because I know you love listening to podcasts. But uh, with that shameless chill, yes, I am going to shut down the space. Ajax, if you want to open one up, I will definitely join it. Um, but as of this space, thank you all so much for popping in the Web3 starter pack, which basically means nothing. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Good night, everybody. Thanks for having me.